CNN is uh, projecting now uh, that Donald Trump will win the Michigan Republican presidential primary. This will be his fifth straight major victory of the primary season and another loss for Nikki Haley as she persists in her fight against Trump despite his growing advantage in the all-important hunt for delegates, which is, of course, what is needed to win the GOP presidential nomination. Again, CNN projecting Donald Trump will win the Republican primary in Michigan, teeing up a blockbuster Super Tuesday contest next week. Chairman Jordan, I find it really stunning that Smirnoff gets indicted and they say that it's yeah. because he got information from Russians and it was not true. And yet Christopher Steele is still out there. How come yeah. Christopher Steele was never indicted? Yeah, no kidding. He, and he continued to get paid after they found out what he told uh, the FBI wasn't true. And of course, now we have this Smirnoff guy and, and he gets indicted, indicted and arrested not once, but twice. Here's the interesting thing about Smirnoff. David Weiss, the guy who's been investigating Hunter Biden for now almost five years, David Weiss had this information, the 1023 back in 2020. What did he do for the last three years? What did he do for the last three and a half years? Why didn't he look into it before? Because all we knew is what Chairman Comer just said. Christopher Ray said this was a great source, confidential human source that we've been paying for 14 years. He's helped put away bad guys. The safety of him is jeopardized if we give you access to this 1023. And now, now they maybe the guy did lie. I don't know. But it seems strange to me because it looks like David Weiss didn't do a darn thing with this until after the plea deal falls apart last July, because if you read the indictment, it's when in July is when they go talk to the confidential human sources handler and start this process that ultimately led to his arrest. So we'll have to see. The other thing is, as you point out, in 2016, it was Trump-Russia collusion. We found out that was garbage. In 2020, it was, oh, the laptops of Russian information operation. We knew that was garbage. And now here we go the third time, one more time they're bringing out this story. Again, maybe this Smirnoff guy did lie to him. We'll have to see. But there's a lot of questions that I think many people have about how it was all dealt with. More violence involving migrants. Two people were arrested after yet another fight breaks out at the Randalls Island shelter. Right, Fox 5's Morgan McKay joins us now in studio. And Morgan, the mayor planning to take some major action in response to this latest accident. At least two migrants were arrested and charged after a fight broke out at the Randalls Island migrant shelter. But this comes as Mayor Eric Adams is also pushing for changes to the sanctuary city laws that would allow the NYPD to turn migrants accused of a crime over to ICE. You don't have to be a behavioral scientist to state that we're creating a terrible environment. Mayor Eric Adams says the city is installing metal detectors at the migrant shelter on Randall's Island, and he is planning a visit to the site after another fight broke out at the shelter Monday night. According to the NYPD, a 23-year-old migrant struck a security guard in the face, causing a scuffle. Two migrants were placed under arrest and charged, but this marks the third violent incident to occur at the shelter in just the last several months. Adams again renewed his call to the White House to give migrants faster access to work papers. You place a thousand people in one setting and tell them they can't work. All they can do is sit around all day. 
tempers flare. Adams is also making it clear that he wants to make changes to the sanctuary city laws. Under Mayor Ed Koch and Mayor Michael Bloomberg, the NYPD was allowed to alert ICE when a migrant was accused or arrested for allegedly committing crimes. However, now migrants are only passed along to ICE if they've been convicted of a crime. Immigration advocates are staunchly against this change, and Council Speaker Adrian Adams says she has no plans of introducing anything like this legislatively. But Adams says migrants accused of committing multiple robberies should not be allowed to wait here while their case plays out. They didn't give due process to the person that they shot or punched or killed. We can't have these small number of migrants and asylum seekers that have identified that they're going to be dangerous. Hide under the law. An audit by the city comptroller was also released on Tuesday that showed the city has been overcharged at times for migrant services due to the city procuring no-bid contracts. What we're calling for now uh, is to go through a procurement process that would make sure we get the most competitive price for all these services. Adams defended the contracts on Tuesday, saying they did the best they could at the time when these contracts were inked. Because of our response, no child... No family sleeps on the streets of the city of New York. Now, Adam says he also did not meet with the president during his trip to the city, but emphasized the need for President Joe Biden to issue some sort of executive order that would limit border crossings and create a decompression strategy. Highly political, presenting a highly biased view of the Israel-Palestine war, ignoring any Palestinian responsibility for hardship and contributing to the demonization of Israel. That is the group Taylor Swift thought it might be fun to help raise money for, attend the fundraiser for, and she owes Israelis and Jewish Americans an apology. And I hope they boycott her events until she issues it. Because attending this thing was wrong. It was wrong. Do some Googling. See what they do in Gaza to gays. See about women's rights in Gaza, Taylor. You clearly know nothing. When you were on the phone, couldn't look you in the eye. You're just like an angel. Your skin makes me cry. You float like a feather in a beautiful world. I wish I was special You're so very special But I'm a creep Shouts. 
I'm a loser. Love this one. Picked it. Radio head creep. Right after Megan Kelly goes after Taylor Swift. And that's how we're going to start this hump day tunnel to towers Wednesday morning. Good morning, New York City. 611. Back on your favorite talk show in the country. Sitting friends in the morning. So I've got this list, you know. <laughs> this list continues to grow almost every day. This is now the second consecutive day that I've added a name to this list. You know, for a second there, when I first watched this Megyn Kelly video, and i got to tell you, I love Megyn Kelly. She never comes on this show. She was on once, like two years ago. I think Jennifer Grodd was booking guests. She's like uh, the three guest bookers ago booked Megyn Kelly. And we had a great time. She said she loved it. It's not been back. I don't care. I love her. She's great. And um, I considered playing the song Style by Taylor Swift because I actually do like that song. I like a bunch of Taylor Swift songs. If I'm going to be completely honest here, honesty, we'll get to that later too, Billy Joel and Howard Stern. If I'm going to be completely honest, I like some of her music. But then it occurred to me that why would I play her song after Megyn Kelly just exposed her This is not a new story. I think I talked about this, God, like two months ago. Guys, you remember that she's best friends with the Hadid sister that's banging Bradley Cooper these days. And the two of them gave money to some comedy show in Gaza for the Palestinians. You know, my friend Hillel Fold put something on his Facebook page yesterday. It was so great. It's exactly what I've been saying which is, in a very funny and informative way, he explained why there really is no such thing as an innocent Palestinian. There just isn't. And I've been saying that for for months in my um, frustration with Joe Biden and this country in their effort to cripple and castrate my friend Bibi Netanyahu in their effort to make sure Israel never wins the war much like Ukraine and Russia, they keep talking about innocent Palestinians, which doesn't really exist, but we'll get to that later. So this list continues to grow. The list started with another band that I absolutely love, Pink Floyd. I mean, I miss Comfortably Numb, Wish You Were Here, Another Brick in the Wall, with this scumbag Roger Waters. And then yesterday, I added name number two to the list, which I received a lot of backlash from Curtis from, but no one loves Curtis more than me, but he's just, he's a psycho. I just don't care what he says. (laughs) Just don't care. Uh, Eric Clapton is now on the list. And now after that Megyn Kelly piece today, write it down, Lewis, Taylor Swift. I mean, I I kind of banned her anyway. Oh, you got a list already. Well, I just made, I just put the three names. Just those three? And they're, yeah, the significant ones will just, will list. Well, I'm tempted to bring uh, Jim Kerr on tomorrow. If you know who Jim Kerr is, he's a Hall of Fame radio DJ here in New York. He's on uh, Q104.3. I don't consider him a competitor because 
He's on an FM rock and roll station, and he's been on this show a bunch over the last year. Him and my friend Elvis Duran, who's also on an FM station, Z100, both clear channel stations, just so you know. You know, uh, Stephen A. Smith moved his sports podcast, talking about podcasts yesterday, from Odyssey to Clear Channel. I don't know if you know that, but anyway. So I'm tempted to bring on Jim Curran, ask him who I'm missing from this list. But then, to be honest, as as much as I love Jim Curran, I want you know, you know, Jim Curran is celebrating 50 years, 50 years, rock and roll DJ. What are we getting him? We got to get tomorrow. Him tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. So happy anniversary to the great Jim Curran. But I don't know, you know, Jim. Uh, you may remember Jim put together this beautiful two minute piece. In fact, I want to play it today about my trip to Israel. Do you remember that? I can't forget. He was probably the best one. We had we had Jesse Waters do it. Jesse, by the way, invited me on his show last night. I get a call from Jesse's producer, I swear to God, at 5.45 last night. That's exactly two hours and 15 minutes before the show starts. I got my wife coming home from Europe. She's at Kennedy Airport. I'm like, I, I can't do this. This is the third consecutive time Jesse Waters' producer calls me or text me the day of his show, hours before. Now, last year at this time, it wouldn't have mattered because I lived in New York City. I didn't need a lot of time to get dressed and go from Battery Park to Fox News. But now I live on the beach in Queens, so I had to turn it down. My, my guess is he wanted me to talk about this whole Eric Adams thing, which I'll get to uh, in a little while. I'm going to give Eric Adams credit today. Curtis is not going to like it, but it is what it is. So Jim Kerr... I don't know if he's keeping a list, like I am, <laughs> of the musicians. Um, something tells me no. <laughs> Probably not, right? Oh, no, so from what I know yeah. of Jim Kerr and what I saw, you know, how laid back yeah. I saw him at the well, last place I was. Yeah, he doesn't care. But there's no. another one that uh, you and I got into pretty good. Actually, before I get to the uh, the fourth name, the fourth possibility, do you have that Jim Kerr thing? I do indeed. It Let's play this. This is a, stars all over it. Okay, great. Right before I went to Israel, <laughs> Jim Kerr, the Hall of Fame rock and roll DJ, again celebrating 50 years, sent me this beautiful message. Hi, Sid. Uh, this is your friend and uh, fellow morning guy, Jim Kerr. I've been thinking about your trip to Israel. I've been there. It was Absolutely the most amazing travel experience of my entire life. And if these were different times, I'd have a list of great tourist attractions that I would recommend to you. Of course, we're not living in those times today, but I do hope you have a chance to visit all four quarters of the old city of Jerusalem the Jewish quarter, the Christian quarter, the Muslim quarter, and the Armenian quarter. I'm sure that when you place your palm on the Western Wall, you'll experience the connection to the entire history of the world that is unique to that particular experience. And also, if you can, visit the uh, Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Walk down the street, you'll see... You'll see plaques on the wall um, that point out the stations of the cross. Just to breathe the air in Jerusalem is a unique and unforgettable experience, and I hope that you'll have an opportunity to enjoy that. Meanwhile, thank you for representing New York in Israel during these very, very trying times, and most of all, I wish you a very safe journey. The great Jim Curry. You know, mention the Western Wall. If you go to my Facebook page right now, Sid Rosenberg, or my Instagram page, 
at Rosenberg.Sydney. If you're not on the page right now, you've got to send me a friend request. We've been over this. But if you go there and you're already a friend of mine, you will notice that I've got dueling pictures, a collage, if you will, of me and President Trump both davening at the Western Wall. And i got to give the video folks at this station credit. I'm not sure who did it, Ricky, Eric, I don't know who did it. But when Brian Lee came on yesterday and talked about Trump and how good he was to Israel, he mentioned the fact that Donald Trump is the only president ever, ever, to pray at the Western Wall. So uh, they actually put that video up with the Brian Lee video. I took a screenshot of that. And on my Instagram and Facebook page right now, you've got side-by-side pictures of me and Trump toughening at the wall. But the fourth name that people keep sending me to add to this list, which uh, already includes Roger Waters, Pink Floyd, Eric Clapton, and Taylor Swift, is one you keep arguing about, but you're just wrong, and that is Phil Collins, who is a very well-known anti-Semite, lots of money to the PLO, well-known for many, many years, and I got at least... Ten people that sent me DMs last night that said, Sid, if you're going to ban Clapton and Waters, you got to ban Phil Collins. Unknown to mm-hmm. me. I've yeah, I know, but you're wrong. It, it's, it's there. I know it was unknown to you, but it's out there. But, again, this okay. is All right. That's a like lot of Bruce. music. I know. I mean, we're going to have no music. Left. That's Genesis and Phil Collins. No, I no. know. Okay. Well, Curtis does bring up a good point yesterday when he says, if you're going to use this litmus test <laughs> yeah. on... On the entertainment world, you're going to find yourself with nothing left. Well, it depends. Look, Curtis also wants to uh, prosecute people based upon saying nothing. I'm not doing that. Okay. okay? Well, that's so. A, if, if, right. if, if, if you're anti-Israel or you're pro-Palestinian, then you're God. He keeps bringing up Adam Sandler because Sandler's quiet. It's stupid. I don't care if he's quiet. If Adam Sandler comes out and says. Hey, I got to tell you, in up in Gaza with the Israelis, then he's on a list like that. Of course. Well, people are not required to come out and say things. Right, of like, course not. Right. They're right. But, but, but these people, do, all three right. of these people have said and or done something which is anti-Israel and pro-Palestinian, as well as Phil Collins giving money to the PLO with Vanessa Redgrave many, many years ago. Okay. But I haven't gotten to the Phil Collins stage yet. Oh. <laughs> yet. Okay. Because you still want to hear his music. Yes. I love Genesis. <laughs> okay. Well, if you could, if you actually explore Roger Waters, too. Of course, you could go back to the like early 80s. If you listen to The Wall, there's references to it all over the place. Yet, but it might not be uh, designed for this particular subject, Israel and uh, Palestine, but he's got references to, you, you know, very uh, questionable lyrics in the yeah. beginning, because I actually heard it driving in the other day. Oh, you did? Yeah, they were playing In the Flesh, which is the start of The Wall. It's a great record, but there, it's, it's got... It's in there. It's there. It's, it's, um, it, it's saying, like, okay, who's this right now? Get him up against the wall. <laughs> yeah. Who's this right now? Get... Now, they're there. Whether it has to do with that, this particular subject is different, but I've gone over it and read it, and it's about the guy's isolation and all the references, and now he's a rock star, and now he doesn't think some of these people are worthy to look at him. Mm-hmm. He believes he's a fascist dictator, but the references are there. Is this person uh, blah, 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 ethnic? Get him up again. So they were there in his head the whole time. So he's – you have a line. That's it. You don't want to hear these people? I, no, I get it. That's the line. So right now there are three, could be four by the end of the day, and this is where my DMs start to blow up with people telling me, well, you should have heard what – 
you know, Wham said back in 1963. <laughs> right. and, yeah. Not Wham. <laughs> yeah, I just threw Wham out of the blue there. Are these lifetime bands or are they like temporary bands? You know, I hate to do a lifetime anything. I hate that. I always believe that um, people deserve second chances, although in this case, there are no second chances. Well, you could take a guy, you could take Roger Waters... He's immovable. You could just completely say, like, he's never going to change. He's never going to change. No. To Lewis's point, so these, um, you know, if Taylor Swift comes out next week, for example, and says, hey, don't get me wrong, I had no idea that the money was going straight to terrorists, I do love Israel, blah, 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 she's got a chance to save herself. Clapton and uh, Waters, I believe, are, are two past that, if that makes any sense. Uh, the big news story last night was our friend Donald Trump, he obliterated this one, was worse than, than the other four. I mean, he just destroyed Nikki Haley. Well, how many points did he actually win by, Noam? 68 to 28. <laughs> 40 points. So if you're keeping score at home, that means Donald Trump is now 5-0, and winning the caucus in Iowa Easily, In fact, Nikki Haley came in last there, even behind Ron DeSantis. Then he won New Hampshire. Then he won Nevada. Then he won South Carolina easily. Nikki Haley's home state. And yesterday was a complete blowout. Though he has also won the Virgin Islands, mind you. But he's 5-0 and uh, along with the Virgin Islands. And they keep talking about Super Tuesday. And looking at all the polls, which have been very accurate up to this point, Norm, you'd even attest to that. 15 states, Super Tuesday, the polls have Donald Trump winning every single one. And a lot of those, by as many as, forget about 30 or 40 points, 60 points. Just so you know, the states that are up for play include Alabama, Alaska, that's GOP only, Arkansas, California, Colorado, uh, Iowa, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, and Virginia. Those are the 15 states that come up Super Tuesday, and uh, the, the at least the, the prediction is, and they've been right so far, Nikki Haley will take home worst beating yet, but this dumb biatch is uh, still sticking around. So She is, but you know, the real story was on the Democratic side last night. So President Biden got 80% of the vote, but the Arab American population in Michigan, which has the largest Arab American population in the nation, yeah. said they are upset with the president and his policies in Israel. They say he favors Israel too much, and so they were going to vote uncommitted to match the numbers they put the president over the top in Michigan during the 2020 race, which was by 10%. So last night, the uncommitted vote in Michigan was at 13%. So that tells you there's some real problems for the Democrats in a place like Michigan. They would have to win Michigan to win the White House. Those people sit on their hands because they're not going to vote for Donald Trump. That's a problem. Right, Tlaib and uh, Omar were the ones who came out and asked Michigan voters to do this. Two of the worst anti-Semites in the country. But this is exactly why Biden has been making these decisions. This is what makes Joe Biden not old, not dementia-ridden, but repulsive, because he would rather win Michigan than save innocent Israelis. We've been over this for weeks now. There is no question that in states like Michigan, with a huge Muslim population, Minnesota, Muslims and Somalians, that if he loses those states, like you just said, he's done and he is doing all he can to appease those people at the risk of Israelis dying. That is 100% true. 100%.
Yeah, well, it's fair to say the Democrats are worried those people just won't go to the polls, which essentially would give it to Donald Trump, Michigan, places like that. Yeah, Trump, uh, again, the big win last night. And uh, Joe Biden, like you just pointed out, he gets the win as well. We've got a huge, huge guest list today. This is a huge day in Washington, D.C. They're going to depose Hunter Biden. They deposed his crooked uncle, Jimmy Biden, last week. Today, it's Hunter Biden behind closed doors in a big deposition. And who does uh, sitting friends in the morning have today? Doesn't get bigger. We've actually got Ohio Senator Jim Jordan. How about that, Noah? The day they depose Hunter Biden, we've got Jordan. It's huge. Huge. Homer and Jordan, of course, leading the way. We'll talk to Nancy Mace about it tomorrow. She was just on Fox News moments ago. So it's a huge guest list today. Alex Trayman, live from Jerusalem. Curtis Sliwa. Rich Lowry, usually on Mondays. He makes his way on the program today. Peter King, Judge Janine Pirro, and the aforementioned Jim Jordan. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Hump Day Wednesday with me, Sid. Keep it right here. Out of my way, you make the sun shine brighter than the darkest day. Turn the bright spark into a flame. My beats burning and everything the same. Cause you're my lady, I'm your fool. It makes me crazy when you act so cool. Come on, baby, let's not fight. We'll go dancing, everything will be alright. Wake me up before you go, go. Don't leave me hanging on the line. Wake me up before you go, go. I don't want to miss when you hit that high. Wake me up before you go, go. Cause I'm not planning on going solo. Wake me up before you go, go. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC.
Rolling Stones under my thumb. I think I called um, Jordan a senator. Of course, he's a congressman. Come on. I know it's early, but come on. Sid. Come on. So, uh, come on now. Snap out of it. Brian Jones celebrating a birthday today. He long gone. Long gone. Did he say, Louie, he drowned? Is that right, Brian Jones? He drowned in his own pool. Now, that's not a good way to go. In his own pool? Yeah. He was high? Uh, yeah, he was. Yeah. He was pretty messed up. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I would say. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a high, that's a litmus test of. Uh, you know who also died in their own pool? Bill Shatner, his wife. But um, no one really talked to Bill about that. I don't understand why. I think Frank wanted to get him on about that, right? I think Frank would never even bring that up because he, he knows that there was some something going on there. If your wife were somehow walking <laughs> around the pool, Bill, is it possible yeah. a Romulan spaceship could actually have pushed your wife in the pool? How old would uh, Brian Jones have been today, Louis? 1942. So that would be 58 plus 24, 82 years old. Wow. Wow. Very good, right? Yeah, that's pretty good. So, um... I'm about to do a segment that's really going to piss off Curtis, but um, he'll have to get over it, that's all. And that is, I'm going to give the mayor some credit. Now, you can yell and scream all you want, where was he a year ago, and you'd be right. You'd be 100% right. I'm not about to turn Eric Adams into Rudy Giuliani. But, like everything else in life, like I just said with Taylor Swift, better late than never. Some people stay on that course, and they never get off it. And the mayor, now calling out sanctuary city laws, looking to shed that so that ICE can do their job, deserves some credit this morning. So let me get to the uh, the Eric Adams cuts. Oh, before I do that, Frank Morato checks in. Yeah, checks. What a shocking. All he said was, ha. That's good. Yes, I laughed. Frank, laughter comes (laughs) from another (laughs) unisphere that we have yet to explore. In uh, the great song Captain Jack by Billy Joel, we're going to play Billy today, Honesty. Didn't they find uh, his father dead in the swimming Swimming pool? pool. They just found your dad in the swimming pool. Right. Who was masturbating in that song? Um, Somebody he, was. Uh, well, he, I think the his the protagonist is, is okay. Uh, <laughs> Captain Jack. Yeah, Captain right. Jack. Yes, <laughs> you just go, sit at home and masturbate. Right. 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 And they just found your father dead in the swimming pool. Oh, right. Like right. Bill Shatner's wife. Of course. And Brian Jones. But if you look at this graph up here, Frank, <laughs> that I have drawn, it is. Not unlike the humans on Centaur Alpha, <laughs> in which they have a well, different civilization. Well, I can't these are adults. I'd still talk about that show like it's good. And they're um, not organic. <laughs> so here's the mayor, Eric Adams, uh, talking about migrant violence. And I'd have to be a genius to figure this out. The mayor, cut number nine. You don't have to be a behavioral scientist to state that we're creating a terrible environment. You place a thousand people in one setting and tell them they can't work. All they can do is sit around all day. Tempers flare. Tempers flare. Goes on to talk about, um, you know, they should not be able to stay in New York. These, he calls them migrants, he calls them asylum seekers. These illegals, once they get caught doing something, should not be allowed to stay here and wait out their case. He's right about that. This is uh, Eric Adams, cut number 11. 
They didn't give due process to the person that they shot or punched or killed. We can't have these small number of migrants and asylum seekers that have identified that they're going to be dangerous, hide under the law. He goes on here to talk about ICE, and uh, Curtis has been all over this. I'll give him credit for a long time. He points out the people, whether it's Cuomo or Adams or Tom Swazi, who was just sworn in yesterday, that have been anti-ICE. But clearly, Eric Adams has come around. This is the Mayor Lewis, cut number 12. We need to modify the, uh, the sanctuary city law that if you commit a felony, a violent act, we should be able to turn you over to ICE and have you deported. It is a right to live in this city, and you should be, you should be not committing crimes in our city for doing so. Right now, we don't have the authority to do so. All right, there you have it. So not exactly sure what you'd be upset about there, other than I know what Curtis is going to say. Where was that a year ago when you were out there saying, come one, come all, we're a sanctuary city. Come on, baby, I got veterans on the street. I got homeless on the street. Where were you then? And he'd be right. But again, for Curtis and everybody else, better late than never, I guess. You agree, no? Well, Oh, you're such a pussy. No, I wasn't going to disagree. Jesus, I don't even... even I wasn't going to disagree. I was going to tell you that this doesn't stand a chance because the city council will never go along with the idea of cooperating with ICE. Well, that's true. This uh, biatch, Adrian Adams, no relation to Eric Adams, who you know Eric Adams hates. I mean, Eric Adams, he despises, and he's right here, too. He's not wrong about everything. He despises the city council. He does. And this Adrian Adams... She doesn't want to work with anybody. Now, why would she be upset with criminals, criminals being accountable? I don't get it. She's in that same Alvin Bragg, Letitia James role, which is, I'm going to say this at the risk of pissing people off, I'm black, and I'm okay with criminals doing their thing. Are you mad that I just said that? No. Because that's the God's honest truth. Now, I have no excuse for Brad Lander because he's white and he's a jerk-off. But Adrian Adams, I mean, she is, she's awful. No, no. You, you know, you only have a few city council members who would go along with the mayor, and they were actually saluting him yesterday. Most of them Republicans saying, finally, you're coming to our side. But back in 2014, Mayor de Blasio strengthened these laws that make it right. so New York City yep. can't cooperate with ICE. So it would mean undoing all that. And no way that's going to happen. I agree with you. But at least he's saying the right thing. What do you want him to do? Just say no- If he says nothing... Then he, uh, then he's pro-migrants, and Curtis kills him, right? So if he says something, then it's, well, he can't do it anyway, and where were you a year ago? I don't like it when people are in a no-win situation, I guess is my point. Well, that's what he's in, I think. Well, yeah, at this point, he probably is. That's why in the latest poll, he lo- he's losing by 31 points to Andrew Cuomo. I get all that. All right, we're going to go live to Jerusalem. Alex Trayman, JNS.org, is coming up next. I'm going to ask Alex, Nolan, the same question I asked you yesterday, which is, as Joe Biden continues to talk about this real possibility of a ceasefire on Monday because the United States is negotiating with Hamas, how is it possible that the United States can negotiate any ceasefire when, in fact, they're not the ones doing the fighting? That's the Israelis. No one can really answer that question. Everybody says the same thing. Well, behind the scenes, there's a bunch of different people. No, no. I want to know how Biden can get anything done when it's Bibi that is basically in charge of this war. Alex Trayman is set to answer that. But it is Wednesday. 
We talked to my dear friend, the CEO, Frank Siller of Tunnel to Towers, every Wednesday. The Tunnel to Towers update. Today's segment spotlights a fallen first responder program recipient family, and they're right here, folks, in New York City. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation, like all of us here at 77 WABC, knows how important it is to honor and recognize the hero first responders who put their lives on the line every day in order to keep our communities safe. Heroes like NYPD Officer Daniel Sanchez. Officer Sanchez proudly served the NYPD for over 14 years and was honored for his work in the anti-crime unit. In 2021, he contracted COVID-19 in the line of duty. He battled the virus for 53 days before he ultimately succumbed to the illness. Last December, Tunnel to Towers announced they would pay off the mortgage held on the Sanchez family Staten Island home, providing some financial stability for Daniel's wife, Karen, and their children. Karen called the mortgage payoff, quote, life changing. Folks, visit T2T.org now to help more fallen first responder families by donating just $11 a month. That's T, the number 2T.org. Tunnel to Towers. Do good and never forget. That's right, folks. Never forget. Join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good in honor of America's heroes. Donate just $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2T.org. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour. Sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to peerlessboilers.com, pavilionchanklist.com. To find a dealer near you, they're the world's best belt boilers on the hardwood at the Garden last night. The Knicks, they lose a bad one at home to the New Orleans Pelicans. Final score, 115-92. to Dante DiVincenzo led the Knicks with 23 points. And Bojan Bogdanovich added 20 off the bench. Jalen Brunson with his neck spasms and Isaiah Hardenstein with his Achilles problem. They did not play for the Knicks, who are still without starters. Julius Randle, OG Anunoby, and Mitchell Robinson. It's basically their starting five. The Knicks managed to get as close as seven points exiting the third quarter, but an early fourth quarter surge from the Pelicans uh, put New York away for good. In Orlando, the Nets didn't fare much better against the Magic, losing by a final of 108-81 to last night. Dennis Schroeder led the Knicks, or Knicks, the Nets with 15 points in his third start with the team. Trendon Watford had 14 points and 7 rebounds. Brooklyn forward Mikhail Bridges playing in his 450th consecutive game. He hasn't missed a game in his five NBA seasons. He was held to four points, his lowest scoring output of the season. Did not score in the first half. It shot 2-14 for the game, missing all seven of his three-point shots, losing for the fifth time in six games. The Nets shot 39.2% as a team and finished with 22 turnovers. In the NHL, Nico Heischer had a goal and three assists. Jack Hughes added a goal and two assists. And the Devils beat the Sharks 7-2 in San Jose last night. New Jersey scored seven straight goals after falling behind 1-0 and improved to 16-10-2 on the road. The Devs, who had lost 3-4, sit five points back right now of a playoff spot. Bratt, Ball, Miller, Smith, and Mercer also scored for New Jersey. Timo Meyer had two assists in his return to San Jose as the Devils rebounded from a 4-1 home loss to Tampa Bay on Sunday. Looking ahead to tonight on the ice, the Rangers return to action at home, set to face off with the visiting Columbus Blue I'm supposed Jack. to go tonight with Pete Morgan and Joe Tacopina, but I can't make it, so. Why not? Well, my wife just came home. It's, it's, I just yeah. can't be running out tonight. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's very responsible of you. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. Who are they playing again tonight? Uh, they got the uh, Blue Jackets. Oh, Blue Jackets just beat them a couple nights ago. Yeah. Snapped their 10-game winning streak. Yeah, they did. Big game. That's true, actually. They did snap that streak. Good point. You know what? Well, Kevin Breslin 
the son of the great Jimmy Breslin. Yes. Him and his son Quinn drove me to the gym two days ago. Yes. He sent me this amazing video this morning. It's six minutes long, but it's it's a montage of all the great baseball movies. I know you haven't had a chance to cut it up yet, but yeah, I gotta get on it that. is great. Yeah. Any baseball news? Nothing yet. No, I mean, you got spring, yeah. you know, the Mets are uh, hosting the Cardinals today at 110. If you yeah. want to catch some uh, spring training at bats. I don't. No. No. Me neither. Okay. There's nobody really exciting for the Mets fans to uh, get out there and look what about at. about the Yanks? Uh, Yanks are looking good, man. Everybody, Anybody out uh, for the year yet? No. Everybody's no? fit and ready okay. to go. All I'm in right, great shape. Give it a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Number 28. Here we come. Sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavaneTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. There is a password. The hostages being held must be released. And if we've got a, and there's a principal agreement, there will be a ceasefire while that takes place. Ramadan's coming up, and there's been an agreement by the Israelis that they would not engage in activities during Ramadan as well. Specifically now, as we get towards uh, the Muslim holy month of, of Ramadan, which is going to begin on March 10th, you know, this, this holy month is, is a month that's holy for killing Jews uh, traditionally. And we've seen it many, many oh, times that in Ramadan, the amount of terrorism uh, just goes up and up. And, and why is that? In part because, you know, Muslims go into the mosques. And if you hear what the imams are saying in the mosques, that they, they are spewing, you know, by ruin anti-Semitism. In, in all of these mosques, the people go out uh, motivated, and, and they're also they're fasting during the day, and they get angry, and uh, this could happen. I love that juxtaposition, Joe Biden talking about Ramadan. The Israelis going to lay off because it's a big Muslim holiday. And then you get my dear friend Alex Trayman, who works at JNS.org. There is no better place to get your daily information on Israel than JNS saying, well, Ramadan is when they actually come out and kill us. It's just funny because there seems to be one narrative coming from the United States and another from Jerusalem. That's why Alex Trayman is so vital to this show. Here he is, my friend, once again live in Jerusalem, where it's about uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon right now. Alex, good morning. In your case, good afternoon. How are you? 
Good morning, Sid. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Interesting juxtaposition there that I just played, huh? Biden talking about how with Ramadan coming up, the Israelis are going to be very respectful and not and try not to kill people. But you told me last week, unprovoked, that Ramadan is exactly when the uh, the bad guys go out and kill people. Yes. Yeah, look also when uh, Hamas launched their war against Israel. They launched it on our holiday, on Simchat Torah, on the Jewish holy day. So holy days are the holy time for killing Jews for for uh, Islamic terror organizations. So I asked you this yesterday. I keep hearing that Biden is getting very, very close. He's negotiating with Hamas. There may be a ceasefire as early as Monday, and I'm confused. you got to help me here, okay? It's not Joe Biden's war. I know there are Americans being held hostage I know that it's nice to say we're Israel's allies, even though Biden's administration has proven to be traitors, proven to be traitors. But it's not their war. Last I checked, it's Bibi Netanyahu and Israel. Israelis are dying every day fighting wars in the north and the south, not Americans. So how is Joe Biden possibly going to get a ceasefire accomplished when at the end of the day, is it not Bibi Netanyahu calling the shots? Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is, there's a lot of pressure from the Biden administration uh, toward a uh, temporary ceasefire, which they actually hope would be turned into a permanent ceasefire. They hope that if they would get Israel to commit to stopping to fight uh, during Ramadan or for a period of four to six weeks, that then they could amass a tremendous amount of diplomatic pressure to prevent them from restarting the fight. This is the big threat. And what they're using as a lever against Israel, which is the same lever that Hamas is using against Israel, is the hostages. Because the hostages is like a bulletproof issue. You know, if you if you support Israel, you support getting the hostages out. Obviously, Israel wants to get the hostages out, would do just about anything to get the hostages out. Um, but meanwhile, the terms that Hamas is proposing uh, are basically calling for a complete end to the war. And Israel's just not prepared to do that while you still have Hamas's senior leadership intact. That's exactly how Hamas took these people in the first place. How could we possibly be so stupid, whether it's America or Israel, and play into their hands? And look, you know, I sat there in your studios, in your studios, Alex, in Jerusalem. I sat there for 30 minutes face-to-face with Rachel Goldberg, and we both cried. And I loved her. I think she loves me, too. And I want nothing more than for Hirsch to get home. Nothing more. But at the risk of sounding insensitive, which I'm not. I'm a very sensitive guy. You do not put in jeopardy millions of people, millions, and and the future of a whole country over 80 people. Is that not a fair statement? Well, there's definitely a lot of Israelis that feel that way, even though, you know, obviously every Israeli wants every single last one of these hostages home. And I do think that there is a realization here that uh, the only way that we're going to get the hostages out uh, is going to be through some kind of negotiated settlement. I mean, we've been trying to get hostages back since the war started, and we've succeeded militarily, Israel has, uh, you know, to get back three of the hostages. 110 of them came back through a negotiation. So I think that Israel is open to negotiation, but what they want to see is a deal that ends the war completely. And that would look like a deal that gets back every single last one of the hostages, which is not currently being discussed or being offered by Hamas. You want to get back all the hostages, including all the, the dead bodies, which is important for, for burial in Israel, uh, you know, potentially offering Palestinians uh, 
offering Hamas a way to allow their senior leadership to go into exile, which means that they're no longer in Gaza and no longer can provide a direct threat to Israel and uh, effectively ends the war uh, with their with Hamas's surrender. So I think that that's the deal that Israel wants. You're nowhere close to that right now. I think it's very much wishful thinking on Biden's part uh, that that the two sides are anywhere as close to an agreement. Um, you know, he, he obviously wants to get, you know, as many diplomatic wins as he can, and he wants to put pressure on Israel to stop the fighting. Is there a realistic way that we can, or Israel when I say we, that Israel can win this war and wipe out the rest of Hamas, because they have to go to Rafa. I mean, if they've wiped out 18 of the 24 battalions, they're almost there. As um, Bibi told this really nasty biatch, Margaret Brennan, on Face the Nation on Sunday, victory is weeks away, not months away, not years away, weeks away. But is there any real way Israel can do this, go in there and wipe these bastards out, without killing innocent people, and maybe even some of these hostages. I want your honest opinion. Well, if you look at what the Americans are basically demanding of Israel, they they are demanding a plan that would allow uh, for the civilians that are currently in Rafah to be able to escape uh, to safer pastures, so to speak. Now, the reason why you have so many... Hamas and Gazan residents in Rafah is because that's the further southernmost point in the Gaza Strip. And Israel started their military operation at the north, and they provided humanitarian corridor for residents to move to the south. Now all the residents are as far deep in the south as they can be, uh, and that includes not just the residents. It also includes hostages, and that includes the senior leadership of Hamas. Now what the U.S. wants is for Israel to allow residents to get out of harm's way. But what's going to happen? The exact same thing that happened when Israel created a humanitarian corridor for the north is that in addition to residents that are going to move uh, to other places, you're going to also have uh, the senior leadership of Hamas, the terrorists, and also hostages smuggled out in those same humanitarian corridors. So even if the IDF then can go into Rafah, uh, now the situation is going to be much more difficult because the, the fighting is no longer contained to the small area. Israel's going to then have to double back and start fighting again in some of these other areas that they'd already conquered. I've read that they've already smuggled some of these female hostages out. They put the, you know, the hijabs on them, the whole outfit, and they've already been smuggled out of there. This is Alex Trayman live in Jerusalem. So BB pushed back this morning. You know, Biden came out again, again, and said, you know, listen, BB, baby, Israel, you are running the risk of really alienating yourselves from the whole world. You're running that risk. He says it over and over again. How anybody can say this man is a friend of Israel is nauseating. But Bibi pushed back on that and said, that's not true. You'd be surprised. And the idea, too, that I have no chance of winning because Biden said my tactics were over the top. He told Margaret Brennan, that's not true either. So is Bibi just fighting back or is Bibi telling the truth? He's telling the truth. I mean, he wants to win this war, and Israel wants him to win this war. And there's a lot of Israelis that definitely hold him and the entire military and intelligence establishment uh, to blame for October 7th, and they should do that. Uh, but Israelis are united that they want 
this war to be conducted successfully, finished successfully. They do not feel that uh, the IDF has been operating over the top, quite the opposite. I mean, here you have a lot of pressure on the government saying, you know, what is this? You're, you're allowing humanitarian aid in. If you would just turn off the food supply and turn off the fuel and turn off the lights, this would all be over a lot faster. So, you know, if anything, you know, Israelis want the job done as over the top as possible. Uh, and, and Bibi's been walking a fine line in order to maintain whatever remaining uh, vestige of international support that, that he can get. So Israelis want this war conducted uh, as tough as possible, as conclusively as possible. And quite frankly, the whole country is moving to the right over October 7th, not to the left, which is what the Biden administration would want. Uh, and uh, don't be so sure that the, this country is going to elections that quickly. Bibi might still be the prime minister for, for a few years to come. I would love that. Bibi wins again. Uh, Israel moving to the right. The United States hopefully moving to the right, too. Donald Trump, uh, the Democrats proven time and time again, especially in this situation, they are not friends of Israel. Tell me about the north. What's going up there with Hezbollah in Lebanon? Uh, the situation continues to get more serious. I feel like I say that every time uh, we come on, but uh, now... Uh, we're seeing that the the rocket attacks uh, from Hezbollah are are moving deeper into Israeli territory, and also Israeli retaliations are moving deeper into Lebanese territory. With uh, Israel now in the last couple of days firing to the north of Beirut, which is really far deep into Lebanon, it's not like they're talking about just moving uh, moving Hezbollah away from the Israeli border. They're basically signaling to all of Lebanon that if Hezbollah continues their attacks and if there's no diplomatic solution, which looks less and less likely by the minute, that uh, Lebanon as a country is going to pay a much more significant price for uh, not reigning in Hezbollah, and and that could put the entire country at risk over there. Well, then, do we run a risk in Israel that if Bibi continues to do what's right and not listen to Biden, that's the right thing. But do we run the risk of losing some American support, and I'm talking about money, because it feels like Israel is going to need that money and weaponry to win wars in the South and the North. Uh, Could Israel afford to lose some support from this creep Biden and the United States and still win these wars? Yeah, the issue is not money. You know, thank God Israel's a a pretty wealthy country, uh, you know, economically strong. There's a lot of uh, foreign reserves here. You know, Israel's not operating in a big deficit. There's there's money to fight the war, even though it's expensive. The more uh, pressing issue is the rearming, uh, you know, and the the artillery and the, the, the weaponry, the missile defense. And because of the money that Israel gets from the United States, uh, you know, people don't realize this, but 100 percent of that money needs to be spent back in the United States. OK, so that means that the Israel becomes completely dependent on the United States for its armaments because it has to spend that money in America. And, and furthermore, that America, as part of the deal, can veto uh, defense deals that Israel would sign with other countries, basically forcing uh, that these defense deals will can only be with American suppliers. So so the United States really has Israel, you know, by by the groin here on this. Uh, and and you, there is the risk that the United States will not provide uh, rearmaments that it needs because it, it's now going to potentially have to fight on a second front. Uh, and 
quite frankly, that they're going to have to use as much firepower as, as they have. They, they've been able to sort of uh, go not full speed inside Gaza because Hamas is not a sophisticated enemy, but Hezbollah is a much more sophisticated enemy, and it's going to require a lot more firepower. And so Israel is kind of pushing off this war uh, as long as they can in hopes of getting uh, armament stocked up, both from the United States, and they're also trying to produce some of their own armaments now as fast as possible, and also getting some of the missile defense systems, like a new laser system that they're testing to be fully operational uh, before they launch uh, full-scale hostilities in Lebanon. Alex Trayman, once again, live this morning, this afternoon, on his case from IsraelJNS.org. No better place, folks. Trust me, my cousin Norm in Minnesota, Sid in Queens. We get all our information about Israel from JNS.org. One more, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, you know, people ask me what it was like walking the streets in Jerusalem, and when I was there, did I feel safe? And I did, but there's been a couple of terrorist attacks since I've left. You know, there was one down at that bus stop down by Gaza, Jerusalem last week, another shooting, a bunch of guys get out of a car. So is there a noticeable more police, more IDF on the streets even now in Jerusalem than when I was there like a month ago? We're not seeing that. I mean, last week uh, at a checkpoint on the way into Jerusalem from the east, uh, there was a, a major shooting attack, uh, you know, and uh, 11 people were injured. One person was killed. One of the injured was a pregnant woman. And the real fear here is that with Ramadan coming, that and Hamas is already talking about using Ramadan uh, as the you know, the second phase of October 7th. And they're trying to rally as many people toward the Temple Mount as possible, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which they said on day one of the war that that was the reason why they were fighting. They're calling for as many people as possible to go to Al-Aqsa. They want to use it as a rallying call. And the big threat is that uh, Jerusalem and, and the West Bank, Judea and Samaria, uh, could erupt in in violence uh, yeah. and, and even like uh, an intifada oh uh, or, or other October October 7th style attacks on Ramadan. And, and at the same time, the Biden administration asking Israel, you know, not to fire inside Gaza when it when it's when it's operating war uh, because of this, quote unquote, holy month of Ramadan. So in the final 30 seconds, you brought Biden back up moments ago. I remember that first interview again after he spoke on Fox News and pledged his allegiance and loyalty to Israel. And I said to you, Alex, Alex. He's the money behind, behind Iran. You remember, I was I was furious that anybody gave this guy any credit. Is it fair to say, Alex, that just in your case, not the whole country, maybe it is the whole country, but in your case, you've done a complete about face on the American president? Again, you know, I told you, if you would have asked me on October 6th, I would have agreed with you wholeheartedly on everything that we're discussing. But what, when October 7th happened, you know, we had no choice but to try to put our faith uh, in the U.S. administration because obviously we wanted their support. So we weren't going to come out and bash uh, the Biden administration. We were going to give them the opportunity to do the right thing. Now, 140 days later, I think that the true colors are, are clear for everyone to see, and, and there's no protecting or, or giving the Biden administration the benefit of the doubt any further. You are the best. Your service is the best. I compel everybody who cares about what's going on in Israel to subscribe today, JNS.org. Alex is the CEO, JNS.org. Alex Trayman, my dear friend, as always, terrific job. Stay safe. Thank you. Said thanks so much. You the man. That's uh, Alex Trayman live from Israel, wrapping up hour number one, setting us up for a big hour number two. We'll talk to the great one, Curtis, 
and Rich Lowry. Usually on Mondays, he's here today on a Wednesday. Sliwa and Lowry coming up. In the morning, 77 WABC. We need to modify the the sanctuary city law that if you commit a felony, a violent act, we should be able to turn you over to ICE and have you deported. It is a right to live in this city, and you should be you should be not committing crimes in our city for doing so. Right now, we don't have the authority to do so. Yesterday, so I spent a little bit of time last hour in the 6 a.m. hour giving the mayor credit. I understand I've been on top of this, Curtis, since day one that, yes, last year Eric Adams wasn't saying this type of stuff. Eric Adams was yelling and screaming, basic, basically, come one, come all. We're a sanctuary city. We're here for you. That's all true. I'll never forget one of the videos that Curtis did with a homeless woman on 110th and Central Park, laying in her own feces, while Eric Adams was bending over backwards to help out these illegals. Stop with the migrants, asylum seekers, or illegals. So I understand all that, and that's all true. Undeniable and true. But, like I said this morning, better late than never. He's coming around. We know why he didn't wake up as a better human being all of a sudden this morning. He's got agenda, he's got reasons, but he's coming around. Then I get this, Curtis. In my Instagram, a private message, and it reads like this. I'm not going to say who this person is. It reads like this. Hmm. Let's do an executive order to undo these laws. So let me get this straight. De Blasio can create these laws, and Adams can't figure out how to undo it? He should have started where the Staten Island judge told the city that sanctuary laws do not apply to the illegals. Why doesn't Adams sit down with Republicans to find a solution. He can't be this dumb and helpless and be the CEO of the biggest corporation, New York. Can't do the job? Step down. Sid, that's part of our problem as blacks. This is a black person. Everything is everyone's fault. It really doesn't take a rocket scientist to put New Yorkers first, and Adams is not doing it. You have an erection? You have a hold on? Oh, man, I didn't even need Viagra, Cialis, or Levitra. Please. Is, is this person right? She couldn't be more hopelessly right because Eric Adams' entire life is his complexion, it's his protection. He plays the black card constantly. So here it is. Here's, here's Sid Rosenberg with others. Oh, now he's saying the right thing. You oh, know, he is. You know why he's saying the right thing? 
Why? Because Maduro last week refuses to accept any deportees in from Venezuela. They're here for life, Sid. They can continue to do what American criminals do, commit crime, come out, crime, crime in Manhattan, in the friend of Eric Burroughs' DA's office, Alvin Bragg, that he will not name in shame, who were a Venezuelan thugs attacking police officers, twice attacking police officers. Did he ever condemn Alvin Bragg for releasing them? Never. In fact, uh, what makes me even more nauseous, and I'll tell Eric this right to his face, he takes selfies in the street with Bragg. Remember, he was a guy that told me, we did something this morning, uh, Noam, uh, your guy Jimmy Flippin did it, where he was talking about people on the subway and how subway crime is up and NYPD has more cops. And somebody on the subway actually said, you know, it would be even better if New Yorkers stuck up for each other. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't that exactly what the Marine hero Daniel Penny did and what ended up happening to him? Indicted by a grand jury and a selfie, a smiling selfie in the street with Adams and Bragg congratulating this racist, crooked DA on the fine job he did and his investigative work. And not just any selfie, making the love sign with one another. Come on, Sid. Come on. And then all of a sudden, he returns to the land of Sliwa, Canarsie High School, 1600 Rockaway Parkway. Into the gymnasium for a town hall meeting where Howard Schultz went one time, CEO of Starbucks. Didn't he run for president, too? Uh, independent. Yeah. Right. He tried briefly, called me a fascist, and that was it. It was over. <laughs> the crowd yeah. said, oh, did you know Curtis growing up? Oh, that fascist with a red beret. That, uh, that was over. He actually said that? Yes, he did. It wow. was over. But he was in Bayview Housing Project. He actually was a babysitter for John Sally, the great center, who grew up in Bayview. Ploof, uh, Detroit Pistons, L.A. Lakers, uh, sports commentator. And who can ever forget all world be free? Yes, Lloyd Free. Who became World Be Free in junior high school. Yes. Were, I was in gym class with him in Builder C Junior High School. This guy was a chucker. This guy would never pass. I would be screaming at him, almost start <laughs> race riots, because, you know, in 64, Canarsie High School opened up, and there were race riots constantly. Yo, yo, man, you're a chucker. And then all the all the guys from Brownsville never ran, never will, had his back. Canarsie boys on one side. Oh, you would have loved it, Sid. I you would have loved it. You know, when I first uh, started Dating Danielle, she was uh, living in Canarsie, like 85th and L. In fact, I think I remember um, Remsen Flores for some reason. 85th and L, of course, on the <laughs> yeah. other side of the cemetery. All my enemies lived there and went to PS 150. Right, but then, like, everybody that I know, and I went to Yeshiva, don't forget, at Ocean Primary School in Canarsie way back when. Across from Bayview. Exactly. But you're from Canarsie. My dear friend, my brother Anthony Carone is from Canarsie. My wonderful neighbor, Maria's husband, Joe Ferrante, is from Canarsie. Joe Murie, the great attorney. Oh, you're missing one right away. Keith Kantrowitz, Glen, well, Glenwood Project. I was about to mention South Shore. Yeah. So all these great people are from Canarsie, but they're white. You're talking about a there was a, a, a dynamic when you were growing up between, because it was the same thing on King's Highway, by the way, whites and blacks going oh, against each other. Oh, horse busing. So... Here they were bringing in all the black children and young adults from Brownsville. They didn't want to come to Canarsie. Canarsie High School and then South Shore. South Shore, right. Right. Then they wanted a bus to Supreme Cushions to, to East New York, <laughs> which they left. And you Jewish Booker boys back to Brownsville, which you fled. Oh, the fights. I remember I was in the middle of it. And sometimes I'd grab a black guy out from catching a beatdown. 
And the Supreme Cuisine's the Italian style. Oh, you're an end lover. Oh, you're yeah. an end lover. Yeah, yeah. yeah right? And then I have to go to war. And then yeah. eventually my first wife was black from Brownsville, and you know how bad that was. She was. I thought your first wife was Jewish. Eat. No. She was black. Corinne Drayton, from the Ville, never ran, never will. I lived two years on Osborne and Hegeman. That's why Eric Adams, oh, I'm from the Ville. He was born there, and his mother, God bless her, took the whole family out of there to Southeast Queens. It's a dangerous, right? I lived there two years, the only white boy. I couldn't even go visit my mother in Canarsie. All the Supreme Coochies, oh, you married a oh, jungle fever. Oh. <laughs> you ain't coming into our hood, man, you <laughs> traitor. They call me a race traitor. Yeah. Remember, this is 1974. 74, that wasn't tolerated. No, it wasn't. No, you're right. So Eric Adams, the mayor, ends up in Canarsie. Yes. Curtis Lee was hood, folks. And he does like a, uh, oh, Suzanne Miller from Canarsie, too, our uh, a lovely That's podcast. That's right, Canarsie, too, right? Yeah. Um, he ends up making a speech, and this is unbelievable, because Curtis sent me this, and I have to attest, Curtis was right, right in the middle of the speech as he's talking to some lady, some black lady who is a Canarsie resident who wants a speed ferry. Right, who wants a Want, speed ferry like I got. Right, wants God us to subsidize each right. ride for $25. Hell no, you welfare cheats. You know, the only time I heard people in Rockaway talk badly about you yeah. was two nights ago. They're like, tell Curtis to shut up about the ferry. And I second that. Shut up oh, about the gonna ferry. Oh, they're going to boo me when we're shut together up. on March I need a way to get home. They're going to boo me when we're together uh, on March 6th. Yeah, they're going to boo you. That's right, Mary Glenn. So this lady's talking to Adams, and out of nowhere, he makes well a Curtis. Well, you say it, it's Dad. a PTSD campaign flashback because Curtis Lewa is in his head. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, in the house of Sliwa, Canarsie High School, the young lady is asking him about the speed ferries at the Canarsie Pier, which, if you're going to do it, they really do need it. And then he starts tripping. Man, listen to him. He's like bugging out. De Blasio, hats off to, to you know to to uh, Bill for realizing that we have to use our waterways enough, and it can't be just Manhattan centered, you know. And you're all the way out on the other end, so we need to find ways of allowing you to cut down your travel time and other travel travel times. Yo, man, Justin, that's the wrong one. That ain't it, man. By the way, uh, Eric, if you're listening, because I've been good to you this morning. Do me a favor, even though you're right about the ferries with the Blasio, don't ever, the rest of your life, if you want to win an election ever again, say these words. Hats off to Bill de Blasio. Wait a second. Don't ever say that. Wait, worse. In that same gym, he paid tribute to his mentor, David Dinkins. Now, I want to tell you something. Do you remember this? Well, you know what? He always wear fancy suits. Well, he always is out somewhere. Well, he's not able to manage well. He's not able to handle the complexity of the city. No, not Eric Adams. David Dinkins. Yeah, worst. Now, go look what they wrote about David Dinkins. Yeah, what they write. He was and a horrible man. Uh, Eric, 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 Eric. One of the biggest mistakes you made. I wish you would talk to me more. I really do. And even your own friends tell you that, including Keith. The uh, Dinkins was a horrible mayor. Horrible. And one of the biggest mistakes you made way back when was when you said you wanted this city to run like it was under Dinkins. You did not sit down like I asked you to many, many times with Rudy Giuliani when this city was by far in the best shape it ever was. Do I have to remind you about Crown Heights in Brooklyn? Remind you about how the city was set on fire? Yes, Dinkins, he did add cops. Dinkins, he did. But this city was on fire 
the race divide was was as fierce as ever. David Dinkins was a terrible mayor. Sid, and uh, I know City Hall is listening now. Would you remind Eric that everybody knows that when Rudy was running against David Dinkins the second time, Eric Adams in the New York Daily News, a registered Republican at that time, said David Dinkins is soft. Rudy Giuliani will be a great law and order mayor. How do you un- all of a sudden retract that and revise that? It goes that? away. I mean, look, it's kind of like, you know, there was a time when Biden, Obama, and Hillary Clinton were all for strong borders. Now they're all for open borders. No. All that stuff just goes away. But where's the Paul? Here it is. Here it is. Okay. Uh, this is Eric Adams, PTSD, campaign flashback syndrome in the middle of a packed meeting, mostly blacks, West Indians, and Caribbeans, in the house of Sliwa, the Jim McCarthy High School. I remember there was a demonstration. Someone had a milk carton saying, where's Eric? Who's with that? <laughs> you know, act <laughs> you know, like I'm disappearing, you know, missing. Uh, that someone was you. And uh, the, the guys in the video department did a really good job yesterday of showing the video of you holding up a milk carton box to some resident in uh, in Canarsie in Brooklyn. What year was that? No, no. August 2021 in the summer. Eight was shot at the Eleanor Roosevelt Projects right there in Bed-Stuy, do or die. I'm there. Eric Adams is out with all the white people in the Hamptons, you know, loving white people because their checks weren't bouncing. He was spending all his time. He would, remember, he was the Brooklyn Borough president at the time running for mayor. So me, I'm a hood rat. I'm in the hood. I'm in the projects. And the brothers were riffing on him. You go to my social networking. You go to Twitter. You go to Instagram. You go to Facebook. You go to TikTok. You'll see the video, the flashback. And the brothers were, like, making fun of Eric. He can't get that out of his head. He's no, got you're in PTSD. There. No, it is PTSD. You are renting, if Suzanne Miller is still listening, you are renting a penthouse apartment in Eric Adams' head. There's no question about it. So you're not willing. And, again, all the stuff you're saying is true, and no one has been more right about this city. And no one deserves, and I mean this, on my wife and kids, nobody deserves to be mayor more than you. But... I will give Eric some credit this morning. You're not giving him any credit no, today. No, because this is what he has to do. Uh, he can't do anything. He is absolutely impotent because of the city council. You know, he talks, he barks, but really he's a little chihuahua. Little ch- he can't do anything with the city council. Well, don't, well, don't you think then that Adrian, talking about the Adams, that Adrian Adams may be even worse than Eric Adams? Of course. Name and shame her. And, by the way, run candidates in a Democratic primary... <clears throat> For city council to get them out. Moderate Democrat. He won't do that. He won't challenge the socialists, the progressives. Have you ever heard him say anything negative about AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? No. Leader of the socialists. No. Leader of the cop haters. Leader of the ones who want to close the prisons and turn the criminals loose? Absolutely not. The one who wants us to be a sanctuary country. Never mind a sanctuary city. And by the way. I will give credit to Eric Adams when I run against him, if he's not in jail and chains and shackles for political way, corruption. If you run against him, it's him and not Andrew Cuomo, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I yeah, keep I'll, making that correction. No, no, I'll you. take him out too, Andrew Cuomo. But I realize I will not get the vote of those who work as private security guards because he has paid them $117 an hour as migrant security guards. We, the sucker, New York State City taxpayers are paying for this. No bid, kickback contracts. Private security guards are loving Eric Adams. Sid, $117 an hour. How much are they kicking back?
How much are they kicking back here? Come on, Sid. You want to become a private security officer? $117 an hour to stand inside a minimum wage job in the migrant centers that they won't even let the police go into unless there's a 911 call. This Banks is also a low-life scumbag. This, Bill uh, Banks. Uh, not David Banks. Oh, David Banks. The guy that runs the, the well, Department of Education. Their brother, the DOE, yeah. dumbest organization ever. Uh, it's worse than dumb. Let me play this for you, and I want you, because this is one of the people that Eric Adams picks, and he's got to be, I'm sorry, but he's got to be held accountable for putting some of these people uh, in those positions. I love Mike Kemper. I love Keyshawn Sewell. He's made a couple of good hires. But he's made a lot of really hateful, stupid. They got to be black. They got to be a woman. They got to be, you know, Muslims. They got to hate the Jews. I mean, come on, Eric. Play cut number three, Lewis. Moral guidance for the vast majority of Muslims. Uh, what is jihad? Uh, the literal meaning of jihad is struggle or a great effort. Um, jihad is the Muslim concept of striving in the path of God. Um, so in the next slide, you'll see the hashtag. My Jihad media campaign for some examples. So my Jihad is to never settle short of my best effort. My Jihad is to not judge uh, people by their cover. My Jihad is to build friendships across the aisle. My Jihad is to stay fit despite my busy schedule. So this story came to light when I was coming back from Israel, that banks and the New York uh, Education, the Department of Education, is allowing these teachers to take these training classes yes. And uh, this training session video against anti-Muslim bias, you got to hear this, says that jihad simply means struggle. You know who said that first? So Yasser Arafat, who is good with the Western reporters, he would meet with all the Middle Eastern Persian Gulf reporters and, you know, kick it in Arabic. Jihad! Kill the Jews, you know, from the river to the sea. Then he'd meet with the Western reporters. He goes, you don't understand. Jihad, it's spiritual, spiritual cleansing. He's speaking with fourth tongue. You cannot allow them to be teaching jihad. How crazy is that? Nuts. Nuts. This is Eric Adams, and maybe the governor deserves more blame. Yes, I'll admit. Hopefully. They all deserve blame. Yes, all of them it's deserve our money. Oh, it. It's our money subsidizing a public school system. $36 billion of this budget in the city of New York goes to the Department of Education, dumbest organization ever, where Jewish teachers and Jewish students have to hide. They have to hide the fact they're Jews because they even have Jews for Hamas roaming the hallways, and they do nothing to rein them in. But speaking of jihad, you are a jihadist, Sid Rosenberg. You have launched a radio jihad against Roger Waters, Eric Clapton, Phil Collins, and Genesis, and Taylor Swift. You better be careful. Her daddy just knocked out a paparazzi in Australia. Her father, who's like, you know, uh, from the heartland of America, when he hears that Sid Rosenberg has launched radio jihad against Taylor Swift because she went to the Brooklyn Academy of Music for a fundraiser for Palestinians in Gaza. He's coming for you, Sid. You got to stop this. By the way, next time we talk, how come you're giving Andy Cohn a pass from the tribe of Cohn, from St. Louis, the heartland of America, Clayton High School? I mean, they're killing him. Drug, food, sexual harassment. All the women, the ladies of the housewives that you love on Bravo are turning on Andy Cohen. What is his position on Israel? I don't care about everything else. He named his son Ben. He's from Jewish parents from Russia 
from Lithuania and from Ukraine, Sid Rosenberg, the litmus test must go to your friend, Andy Cohen, creator of the mayhem of the housewife of craziness around the country on Bravo. Where's Adam Chandler and where's Andy Cohen? Because if you're not a Jew standing up for Israel, you're a self-hating Jew and should impale yourself with a menorah. Seinfeld stood up for Jews in Israel. How come the rest of you are just little nebbishy, schmendricks, pishes, schmucks, and putzes? WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. If you search for tenderness, it isn't hard to find. You can have the love you need to live. If you look for truthfulness, you might just as well be blind. It always seems to be so hard to give. Honesty is such a lonely word. Everyone is so untrue. Another Billy Joel classic, Honesty. Billy was on with Howard Stern a couple of weeks ago. Good morning, sir. And he um, talked about all these great songs, where he was when he wrote them, where he got the idea to write them. So he talked specifically about this one, Honesty, when he was on with uh, Howard Stern. And where he wrote this one, this is uh, Billy and Howard, courtesy of Sirius XM. We should have this cut here. That's why you're playing this song, I guess. I oh, guess. I, I didn't yeah. know. You didn't tell me. Uh, what, no. It'll be cut number 13. Got it. What is a song that we know that you wrote on the spot in the studio and you said to yourself, I'm coming up with something, and literally it came out of you under that kind of pressure? I think honesty was like that. I came in with this idea. It was, it was a, 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 a recording day without a song. I said, here's this idea I got. I don't have lyrics for it yet. But it goes like this. So the band goes, yeah, it's a nice melody. <laughs> My drummer goes, Liberty DeVito, Italian guy from uh, Seaford. Oh. He goes, yeah, I like it. It could be sodomy. Sodomy. <laughs> it's such a lonely word. I said, oh, no, I can't. I can't. We can't call it sodomy. But we, we actually, I think, recorded it somewhere with me singing sodomy. You need a word in there just to get things going. I need something to make me do it fast or make me do it at all. So I knew it couldn't be sodomy. I liked the melody. The band liked the melody. The studio time was booked. What are we going to call this thing? So I said, you know what fits? Honesty. And then I, then I wrote the lyrics right there and then. 
<laughs> I love sodomy better, i got to be honest. That's a great job right there out of uh, Billy Joel and Howard Stern. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Which Larry, usually on Monday mornings, the editor of the National Review, NBC, Politico, is stuff often syndicated right here in the New York Post. He's great. Joins us on this Wednesday morning, just ahead of Peter King, Judge Janine, and a huge guest coming up at 840, Jim Jordan, on a day where Hunter Biden is about to be deposed. Rich, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm great. I uh, I look better and better every day. Another state, <laughs> another easy Trump win. So all those months that I implored people like you and King and Beetle to stop wasting my time with these other candidates, <laughs> I look better and better every day, don't I? Yeah. So Haley was significantly off her 40 percent. In South Carolina, which showed, one, there was an advantage to her being from South Carolina. And two, she campaigned a lot in South Carolina, spent a heck of a lot of money in South Carolina. And this is an indication, I think, that, you know, as as the uh, the states pile up and it's harder to focus on one state, her number is going to go down and, and begin to, to match more her national number and national polling. She's like 15 percent against Trump. So this this uh, you're right, Sid, this this thing has been over for a long time. And, uh, you know, th- th- this is just uh it's just formality at this point. Super Tuesday is coming up, and uh, 15 states are in play on Super Tuesday. And uh, the polls, which have been very accurate so far, very accurate, have Trump winning every state. And some of them, you ready for this, Rich? A margin of up to 60 points. 60. Yep. Now, I think that her one chance, I was just looking this up, uh, Washington, D.C., goes this weekend so maybe she'll Please. she'll win washington dc otherwise she'll get shut out by massive margins and and as as you might recall i thought she would drop out before south carolina could be humiliating to lose south carolina which is clear she was going to do but she's going to stay through super tuesday but I, I can't see any possible case for staying longer than that see i can't because what she's going by it's really sick and twisted and as a republican i'll never forgive her for this ever but she's actually hoping that Donald Trump implodes. And whether it's one of his lawsuits or whether he just gets into some other trouble, she hopes that when they get the convention this summer, that if Trump, for some reason, is ousted, that she automatically becomes the nominee because she's the only other one sticking around and getting votes. So this uh, biatch, who I'll never, ever, ever forgive, is sticking around and will stick around, I believe, past Super Tuesday in the hopes that our guy, who's got the best chance to win, implodes. Well, I think there are two things. One, that that's part of the rationale. And it, it wouldn't work if, if Trump implodes. Again, if you struck by lightning tomorrow, what would happen is DeSantis, Vivek, maybe some others all get in, you know, with an eye to the convention. And there's no way Nikki Haley is going to win at a uh, convention. She wouldn't be able to unite the party. Two, she's looking, I think, to 2028 and being able to say, you know, I told you I was the lone voice in the wilderness if Trump loses in November, which is which is certainly possible, but I don't think that would work either. 2028 is a very long time from now. No one, you know, people like you aren't going to say, oh, thank you, Nikki. Thanks for saying he was going to lose. You know, we're, we're with you now. So I don't think either of these theories work. I agree. With you. Let's take a short break. We've got Rich Lowry here, the editor of the National Review, talking about uh, Donald Trump's 
big win in Michigan after his big win in South Carolina. Super Tuesday coming up. Lots more to discuss. Jim Jordan set to join me in 45 minutes. What does Rich Lowry think about Hunter Biden's day in Washington, D.C.? More of Rich Lowry next. in the morning 77 WABC Ohio congressman and of course the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee Jim Jordan set to join me right after Peter King in about 40 minutes and he's got a lot to do today you know I think uh, one of the things they want to do the GOP Rich Lowry, the editor of the National Review, is have the DHS release as much information as possible. Mayorkas, that creep, who should be in prison, mind you, let alone impeach in prison, about this illegal who murdered that beautiful nursing student down in Georgia last week. So they're going to ask for that. You think they get it? Um, I think they probably will. Um I mean, that case is just, it's so heartrending. And the, the media coverage has been a disgrace. You know, the AP in his initial story just referred to this guy as a, a resident of, of a Georgia town down there. And, um, you know, you've had people say, oh, you know, citizens can commit crimes too, which obviously is true, but d- doesn't uh, make it any better. This guy never should have been here on, on various junctures. He, sh- he should have been uh, detained and deported. And it never happened in this awful tragedy occurred. I mean, the guy's a, a monster. And one of the networks I saw, believe it or not, actually said, why are you guys so caught up in the fact that he's an illegal? How insensitive are you? There's a young girl who's dead. Shouldn't that be the story? Are you kidding me, Rich? Really? Like, we don't care that she's dead? Of course we do. But why is she dead? But rather than discuss that, the liberals go, you're disgusting. The girl is dead. You want to talk about illegals? Which, by the way, anytime there's a shooting, especially in a school, it takes liberals about 10 minutes to talk about the Second Amendment and gun control. But I actually yeah. heard that on a network, how disgusting we were for actually talking about this guy being an illegal. 
Yeah, I mean, this if if the laws had been enforced, you know, a year ago, whenever it is he came in, it never would have happened. And, and there's, we're supposed to believe that's irrelevant? <laughs> it's irrelevant, right. Central to the whole yeah, project. You're an insensitive, Rich. You're a bad man. But, of course, <laughs> the, the, real, the real big one today is the Hunter Biden deposition under oath behind closed doors. He wanted this. He's going to get it. And I, I watched Jim Jordan with Comer on with Maria Bartiromo on Sunday. And they discussed a whole bunch of issues, stuff we've known from Miranda Devine to Bobolinsky's interview with Tucker Carlson uh, to Devin Archer. Now you got new names popping up, Alexander Smirnoff, who, who was just arrested. You got uh, the other guy, Galanis, he's in jail. So new names are popping up, but the story remains the same, that the Bidens uh, used uh, a peddled influence by using the name, even uh, promised in certain cases to put Joe Biden, not Jimmy or Hunter, Joe Biden, on the board, mm-hmm. and they believe that the Bidens committed all these crimes. My fear is is that Hunter will take the fifth a lot today. Yep. Yeah, he'll he'll deflect um, and take the fifth. And it's kind of crazy. You know, th- this guy is under, obviously, has major criminal vulnerabilities under indictment. So to have him testify <laughs> in any setting <laughs> is a major risk. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think he'll he'll uh, he'll probably take the fifth. But but Jim Jordan will know no knows more than than both of us. No, he does. And so does Comer. But again, it's you know, the question becomes. Will this go anywhere? If it goes anywhere in the House, we all know it's going to die in the Senate anyway. Both Bartiromo and Devine on this show agree with me about that. But I think the consensus is is that it needs to be out there. People need to hear this, even mm-hmm. though the reality is there'll probably be no repercussions at all. None. Yeah. So so what's what's happened is is very good. They've um unearth a lot of new information and that that's that that that's what's happened here that's the success you know he's not going to be impeached and removed no. that's a, a pipe dream obviously but the information's on the record and now it's it's up for the, the public to absorb it disregard it take it into account not take it account make make their judgment but at least they know much more about this and it was you know an effort to cover up and lie about it from the very beginning um, that they would have gotten away with if they if Republicans hadn't taken the house and hadn't um, prosecuted a really good investigation. I mean, I think it's been impressive. I couldn't agree more. Rich Lowry is always excellent appearance. I know it wasn't Monday, it was Wednesday, but it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what day of the week it is. You're always great, buddy. Thank Thanks, you so Dave. much. Talk soon. Talk next week. Take care. There he is, the editor of the National Review. He's on TV a lot lately. He's very good on TV. He's great. It's like he is on radio, and he's a great writer, too, my friend, Rich Lowry. Big hour to come, folks. Keep it right here. 8 o'clock hour includes Peter King and Jim Jordan. Huge hour. King and Jordan. Keep it right here. No, I've got no choice. He's on display. I sign him away. I mean, what the heck? All of your promises. Don't fill me with pride. No, I just want to get out. Entertaining 
and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Includes Roger Waters, Pink Floyd, Eric Clapton, and Taylor Swift. Collins is uh, at the very least, he's on probation. But Louis went right ahead and played I Don't Care Anymore. So that means Lewis doesn't care anymore. It's, it's double entendre. It's false news. <laughs> Are you going to ban Lewis now? Phil Collins may be the fourth person on the ban list. We'll see. See how he just avoided the <laughs> question. Did, yeah. 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 No, I'm, not, I'm not prepared to do that. Yet. Yeah. Can we get not Dark yet. Side of the Moon off the ban list? Because it's such a great album. It is. A, listen, I understand. Eric Clapton, are you nuts? Yeah. Forget right. about Dark Side of the Moon, but he's out. Taylor Swift, I love her too, but she's out. It's, it's That's amazing. It. You two guys are like, if you just go through his tweets and just start reading. Oh, I know he's a maniac. You will hate, maniac. You no. will hate no. him. Dueling um, <laughs> border trips tomorrow for the current president, Biden. He'll be in Brownsville, not Brooklyn, Brownsville, Texas. And my man Donald Trump will be in Eagle Pass, Texas. So both uh, Biden and Trump at the border tomorrow. And then before I get to Peter King, this is a big story. I mentioned the fact, and so did Noam, that Donald Trump won easily again last night. He's now 5-0 and in these caucuses and primaries, and he's won them all by double digits. He blew her out in Michigan, his easiest win yet, after wins in Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina, and the Virgin Islands. So there's no story there. Super Tuesday's coming up next, 15 states, and Trump is predicted to win them all. Maybe she does okay in D.C. this weekend, but at this point, the delegates are like 120 to 20. It's a joke. But on the on the Democrat side, a big story. Biden won, but but 110,000 votes did not go to Biden, nor the Democrat third place finisher. And this speaks to why Joe Biden has made some of the decisions he's made. I believe in stabbing Bibi and the Israelis in the back. 
Tell that story, Noam. Yeah, well, so this is troubling signs, no doubt. Michigan has the largest Arab-American population of any state in the country. And that Arab-American population says they were the ones that put Joe Biden over the top in Michigan in 2020. And they say... They deserve uh, the better policy in the Middle East. They say that the president favors Israel too much at the expense of Palestinian civilians. I spend every day hammering Biden for being anti-Israel. And these morons in Michigan went uncommitted yesterday because he's too pro-Israel. Yeah, so the troubling signs are bigger than just the primary, which he won easily. But 100,000 people is a lot of people to vote uncommitted. And then what happens to them in the general election? Let's say Biden's Middle East policy doesn't shift very much. He's still pro-Israel. Do those voters vote for Donald Trump? That's not going to happen. So they sit on their hands. Then you lose Michigan that way. So uh, lots of trouble for the president. Troubling signs in those numbers in Michigan. All right, Noam, great job. Here he is. He is, in my opinion, one of the two best politicians in my lifetime locally. It's Rudy Giuliani and the great Congressman Peter King here for his Wednesday visit. Peter, good morning, buddy. How are you? I'm doing fine, Sid. I really am. Nice to have you back. And, of course, we're going to start with Mike Sapriconi. I'm going to read you a text I just received, and it reads like this. Is Peter King still standing by Mike Sapriconi? Peter King yesterday brought up murdered police officer Edward Burns, and, uh, of course, Sapriconi donated $10,000 to Andrew Cuomo, who appointed the parole board that released Eddie Burns' killer, on top of a massive number of other cop killers. So I've been hearing for days, I know you listen, Pete, between Gavin Wax, between Jennifer Harrison and others, and and Cara Castronova and Johnny Tobacco, that this guy, Mike Sapricone, spends a lot of time and money donating to Democrat politicians and uh, other causes, and there's no reason why he should be the Republican choice in that race. Your thoughts. Oh, by the way, Letitia James, too. He also donated to Letitia James, which is pretty unacceptable. Yeah, it is. And let me start with this, that uh, I've known Mike Sapriconi over the years. I think he was a very good cop. And he did uh, apply in the uh, – he went before a screening committee in Nassau to get the nomination for Congress. We didn't give it to him. Uh, then it was the state committee is the one that put him up for the U.S. Senate. Uh, we were not aware of these contributions because if he had – if we had decided him being the candidate, he would have been vetted in Nassau County. Now, listen, every businessman makes contributions on both sides. He goes back and forth, but there's limits. And I can tell you, finding out that he donated to Tish James, I don't see how Nassau Republicans or others around the state can continue to support him. I think the right thing for him to do would be to uh, withdraw from the race. And if he doesn't, I would ask President Trump to ask him to withdraw. Because right now, I can tell you, when it comes to November elections, all our efforts in Nassau County, as far as I know, are going to be directed toward re-electing uh, Anthony D'Esposito, Andrew Garbarino, and all the state Senate candidates we have. And to be having given money, it's one thing with Andrew Cuomo, and I, listen, I wouldn't do it. But to me, the real tipping point was Tish James, who was launching a vendetta against pre- uh, President Trump. And to think that anyone who's a Republican could support that is one thing. You can say you're supporting Cuomo because he's governor. I, yeah, I wouldn't do it. But the one that's indefensible is the contribution to Tish James. Wow. And uh, I'm with you on the Cuomo thing, and I'm with you on the Tish James thing. He also donated to Todd Kaminsky, and uh, you know how bad that went for Long Island as well. That's the reason why Laura Curran lost to Bruce Blakeman, and Bruce, turns out, is one of the great executives ever. But he has really spent a lot of money on some very, very bad people. So just to kind of reiterate what you just said, this is Peter King saying, and stop me or correct me if I say something wrong, you are saying that you would appreciate it if Mike Sapriconi withdrew from the race today. 
Yes, because it's, it's going to go nowhere. Uh, deep blue Republicans cannot be supporting someone like this. And secondly, right now, uh, uh, control of the Congress is essential. We have to reelect the congressman. You have guys like Mike Lola, Rock Bolonaro. These are guys really in tough races. Anthony D'Esposito, they just uh, actually, and also uh, whoever runs against Swazi, the Democrats just made his district more Democrat. We can't afford to be spending time supporting someone who actually supported the Attorney General of New York, who is, to me, a completely illegal, uh, unbelievable investigation into Donald Trump for the sole purpose of driving driving out of New York and driving out, out of business. So, no, this is uh, wrong. And so, again, I, I would ask Mike Capicone to withdraw. And if not, I think President Trump should make it clear. Now, I, I can tell you that uh, up till now, Mike Capicone said he won't. There's been a number of people talking with him. And uh, right now, uh, he, I, I, from all that I know, and I can't speak for the entire Republican organization, but certainly in Nassau County, all our efforts are going to be electing our candidates for Congress and state Senate and the state assembly and, of course, for the, for the presidential race. I got to tell you, I met Sapricone. I met him at the Columbus Day Parade. It was very nice. He's been on this show before. It was very nice. But I was nauseous when I heard this the last couple of weeks about who he's donated to. I did not expect you to come on this morning and say this. No disrespect to you because, you know, I love you as much, if not more, than anybody in this town. But you're a loyal guy. And, you know, if you support somebody, you try to stay there. But for you to say this is shocking and uh, and great. Like, I'm, I'm giving you a ton of credit. My phone is blowing up. Hail the king. Hail the king from Republicans. We're happy to hear what you're saying. Is Joe Cairo on the same page as you? As far as I can tell, yes. You know, Joe can speak for himself, but I'm saying what I said, and I think people knew what I was going to say, and, you know, no one asked me not to. Listen, I don't enjoy this. I've known Mike Sapricone for years. His cousin you know, uh, lived just a few blocks away from me, so I've known the family over the years. He was president of the uh, Board of Education here in Seaford. But to me, this is a line that's been crossed, uh, and we have to elect Republicans, and we have to also do the right thing. And you don't always have the perfect candidate, uh, but in this case, what made it totally imperfect is the money to Tish James. The others, you can maybe find a way to defend it and say, oh, that's business. But Tish James is different. To give money to her when she's made it so clear from day one that she was out to get Donald Trump to pervert her office for this, it's just wrong. So, uh, again, I would ask Mike to Mike Sabatoni to withdraw. And also, I think President Trump should step in here because it's going to divide the state and there's no need for it. And I want to make it clear also, this was not Joe Cairo's candidate. We focused on the congressional race. It was a state committee who told us, I think, the day before uh, the uh, election here in Nassau that they had decided on Mike Sapricotti. So he did this on his own. This was not vetted uh, by Nassau County. Mike was interviewed. He, was a, he made a good presentation in, in Nassau County, but he did not get the nomination, did not get the recommendation. If he, if he had been our first choice in uh, Nassau, he would have been thoroughly vetted, and this would have come out. Now, you've been on record on the show saying you love Kara Kashanova. I think you like Eisen as well. Uh, do you have a a, um, a choice now that you've asked for Sapricone to withdraw, or are you just pretty much uh, any one of these decent Republicans will make you happy? Yeah, I, I think we have to get some, some Republican who donated to Tish James or to other <laughs> Democrats. I mean, that's basically it. You know, I'll leave that to the state committee and you know the other leaders. I'm, I'm focused on this. And again, I don't enjoy doing this. I've known Mike over the years. I know his family. He's a very nice guy, but this to me was just a, you know, step too far.
Well, I couldn't agree more. Peter King joining us again, shocking, asking Mike Sapricone to withdraw today after he found out, like the rest of us, that he's donated money to Tish James. That's the big one. The rest I could also, well, Kaminsky also really bothers me. For me, it's Kaminsky yeah, and yeah. James. Right. I know it does you too. Uh, so, uh, that is, uh, that is some great, great, that's a great call here from Peter. Peter, I want to move to, uh, to overseas here. Talk about Israel so much. I trained it on earlier, but, uh, Ukraine. And uh, you've been pro-Ukraine for a long time. You know, I haven't. It doesn't matter. Uh, the fact is, Biden still wants to continue for whatever reason it is, whether he cares about Ukrainians or he's a compromised president. I don't know. But for some reason, he wants to continue this. What do you think is end up happening with the House and the Senate in terms of getting Ukraine the money they need? Because in my opinion, they get the money. They keep the war going. They can't win because they're just outnumbered. Russia just outnumbers them. Unless we win the war for them, which we're not going to do, they can't win. So it's going to cost us money for many years, and many more people will die. But if that's what people want to do, that's fine. What do you think happens with the House and the Senate? I think it's important to point out that people like Brian Kilmeade, Rich Lowry, Bill O'Reilly, I mean, people I have great respect for in foreign policy, all believe it's absolutely essential. To save and by the way, all, all of those people are much smarter than me. I'll be the first to admit that, but uh, in this case, they're 100% wrong. Sorry. Okay, well, okay. <laughs> okay, at 99% right. Listen, I, I, I'm not Ukrainian. I have no Ukrainian constituents. I do no business with Ukraine. I've never been involved with it in any way. But I think we have to stop Russia. And Because it's not just, you know, it, it's not that they're going to invade Poland tomorrow or anything like that. The fact is it builds up their sphere of influence. It strengthens China. It strengthens Iran because they are basically an axis working against Western powers, working against democracies around the world. And also, you're going to find countries like Germany and others falling into Russia's economic sphere of influence, and they're going to start doing one by one. You know, that could invade Poland, but they could say they're there to uh, uh, defend the uh, minority Russians in Lithuania or Moldova. They can go country by country. Each time they do that, it's going to make them more powerful economically. It's going to weaken our, our position. And remember, this is uh, – I think Russia can be defeated. They can be stopped. They were stopped in Afghanistan. Ronald Reagan supported the Mujahideen which stopped Russia, and that led to the downfall of the whole uh, Soviet empire. So it can be done. And this is, remember, that not one American life is being lost here. Not one American life is being lost. And the fact that countries like Sweden, which has been neutral ever since World War II, Finland, which has been neutral since World War II, they've now joined NATO because they see the threat that comes from, from Russia. So I think it's, uh, uh, and as far as you know, the money, almost all of it, certainly any, any money that's going now, Without be money going to Ukraine, it's weapons going to Ukraine, and they are American weapons. So then they can replenish here in the United States. So it does help the uh, workers here in the United States. But that's not enough reason to do it just because the money's not being spent. The fact is that it's important. It's in our national interest to, to do it, and that's why again people I have the greatest respect for have the same position as I do. Sixty seconds. I want to ask you about yeah. Eric Adams. Uh, Adams has come out now and said, "Look, we got to revisit the sanctuary law rules and got to figure out a way to get rid of those so that ICE can deport the bad guys." You know, that's not enough for me because I don't want anybody here because I don't know on the next bus how many are bad guys, and I'm not willing to wait and see who commits a crime. So my issue with Adams is not that. That's great. He came around. That's fantastic. I wanted to turn a bus around. That's my issue. But are you going to give Adams credit better late than never that at least, at the very least, he has said the last couple of days how important ICE is? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with him on that. But I think it's time to go to war with the city council. They are never going to give an inch. And if de Blasio was able to issue executive orders, I believe Adams should issue executive orders 
undoing whatever de Blasio did. Push this as far as you can. Let it go to court. Let the people decide. Let the courts decide. But make it clear. You can't just say, I want to do it if the city council won't let me. Go to war with the city council. That is a left-wing, progressive group of people who are anti-New York, anti-what I think real Americans, real New Yorkers want. And to let them have this dictatorial power is wrong. See, but you just think, here's a problem with Adams, okay? He takes the federal government to task, okay, about the migrant situation. But then he endorses Joe Biden. He takes the state to task about bail reform, and then he endorses Kathy Hochul. I've also heard him say over the last couple of weeks that Adrian Adams is like his sister or something like that from another mother. And this is the lady that runs a city council that is crapping all over him. So for a guy that complains about everything wrong in the city and is critical about all these things, he finds a way to praise Biden, Hochul, and Adrian Adams. How does that make sense? It doesn't. That's why I agree with you completely. That's why he's got to go to war with him. He's got to say, gloves are off. I'm going to do everything I can to defeat you people and what you're trying to do. And he should issue a superseding executive orders. He should push it all away. He should say New York is no longer a sanctuary city. Let the city council take him to court and fight this out and get it out there. It's not enough to just talk the game. You've got to follow through. And, you know, win or lose, you've got to put everything. You've got to go, you know, leave nothing in the dressing room. Just go all out and uh Go after the city council. They are ruining New York City. They are absolutely horrible. They really are. Thank God we have people like Univernikoff and uh, uh, Vicky Paladino and a few others on that council. Agreed. But they're outnumbered. So yeah. it's Eric Adams. If he's serious, he's got to go to war. In the final 30 seconds, let's wrap it up where we started this thing. Peter King's final message to Mike Sapricone. And Mike, to your own good and for the good of the party and to make sure and for the good of New York, and for the good of the presidential race and the congressional races here in New York, it's time to take your candidacy elsewhere. There it is, Peter King. That is a heck of a spot today, Peter King, man. I love you. Thank you so much for hopping on today. That's that's the MVP spot. Have yourself a great day, Peter. Thank you so much. Okay, so to Jim Jordan for me. I will, absolutely, yes. Uh, Jim Jordan is coming up next. Big day on the Hill. They're going to depose Hunter Biden. We'll take a short break. That may have been the most shocking conversation I've had in a long time long time to actually hear Peter King say, quote, hey, Mike, time to take your ball and go home. Friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC.
Desire by YouTube and a great show, Curtis Sleeve or Rich Lowry. But Peter King just set New York on fire, asking Mike Sapriconi to step down today. Says I'll um, I'll be loyal to folks for a heck of a lot, but once you give money to Letitia James, you're out. And Peter King sounding very pro-Trump there too, mind you, because he's upset what Letitia James is doing to Donald Trump. So are Democrats like Alan Dershowitz. But Peter King drew the line right there, not about Cuomo or Kaminsky, who he's an oiler as well. But this goes back to James. So Peter King sounding very pro-Trump, and he has asked Mike Saproconi, this is huge news, huge, to step down and withdraw his nomination, his candidacy, today. Yeah, right. we've yeah. got to find out what Saproconi's going to do. Yeah, right. I mean, he, he um, Peter did say that he, he, he hasn't stepped down just yet. We know Sapraconi is going to yeah. maybe. Is it but... Sapraconi or Sapraconi? <laughs> what? Sapraconi? I mean, the whole thing is so annoying. That's why the guy can't run anyway, because right. no one knows exactly. his goddamn name. Exactly. Right. He's so annoying. I wanted right. to see if you were going to follow Yeah, just have an easy name like Bob Stone. All right. What is Mike Sapraconi? Mike Sapraconi? My God. It's no, like, I, listen. I know a Bob Stoney. He right. could be Bob <laughs> Stoney. He's pretty good, too. It's like, you know, first you, first you get the pathological liar in Santos, yeah. and then you yeah. get and then you get uh, Mozzie Pillip, who can't speak English, and then uh, and then they got uh, okay, okay, Saperconi, who's got four different yeah, names. Yeah, Republicans in disarray. Yeah. Yeah. It, hasn't, it, it, it hasn't been a great run. Disarray. Dis- <laughs> yeah, disarray, right. But Peter King showed some uh, big balls today. We're going to talk to Jim Jordan. That's a huge guest coming up next. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Chairman Jordan, I find it really stunning that Smirnoff gets indicted and they say that it's because he got information from Russians and it was not true. And yet Christopher Steele is still out there. There has been no accountability whatsoever. You all have been unable to pin anybody down about what we know to be true now, that the Russia collusion story was a lie and that Steele dossier was made up. How come... Christopher Steele was never indicted. Yeah, no kidding. He, and he continued to get paid after they found out what he told uh, the FBI wasn't true. And, of course, now we have this Smirnoff guy, and, and he gets in, uh, died, indicted and arrested not once but twice. Here's the interesting thing about Smirnoff. David Weiss, the guy who's been investigating Hunter Biden for now almost five years, David Weiss had this information, the 1023, back in 2020. What did he do for the last three years? What did he do for the last three and a half years? Why didn't he look into it before? Because all we knew is what Chairman Comer just said. Christopher Ray said this was a great source, confidential human source that we've been paying for 14 years. He's helped put away bad guys. The safety of him is jeopardized if we give you access to this 1023. And now, now they're maybe the guy did lie. I don't know, but it seems strange to me because it looks like David Weiss didn't do a darn thing with this until after the plea deal falls apart last July. Because if you read the indictment, it's when in July is when they go talk to the confidential human sources handler and start this process that ultimately led to his arrest. So we'll have to see. The other thing is, as you point out, in 2016, it was Trump-Russia collusion. We found out that was garbage. In 2020, it was, oh, the laptops of Russian information operation. We knew that was garbage. And now here we go, the third time, one more time, they're bringing out this story. 
Again, maybe this Smirnoff guy did lie to him. We'll have to see. But there's a lot of questions that I think many people have about how it was all dealt with. Let me just say this. That was a kick-ass appearance by my guy Jim Jordan, congressman out of Ohio. Really one of the great congressmen we've got in this country today, if not the best. He knows I tell him that before on this show. He's also the chair of the House Judiciary Committee, and they've got a big day today. They're going to depose that creep Hunter Biden. So without further ado, here he is, in my opinion, an American hero, Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan. Jimmy, good morning, pal. How are you? I'm doing fine. Good to be with you again. Nice to have you back, Jim. It's been a little while, but uh, today's a big day for you folks. So I always say this. See, I'm not, um, obviously, Maria Bartiromo. I'm not Sean Hannity. And I take pride in the fact that the reason why my ratings are so big in New York, Jim, so big, is the average guy, the sports fan, the average guy listens yeah. to me. So he's not as up-to-date on all this information. So when you start talking about the 1023 that uh, yeah. you've had, uh, can you explain to some of my listeners exactly what that means? It's just a form that, that the uh, FBI identifies when a confidential human source comes in and talks to the FBI handler. They record these things in, in a, on, a, on a form that just has the designation 1023. So that's all it is. And it's, it's the notes the FBI takes from the confidential human source. And in this particular case, this confidential human source had been a source for the FBI for 14 years, had been paid lots of money, had helped put away bad guys. And it was the guy that Christopher Steele said is so darn important. His safety is so important. We can't even let you see the form when we tried to get to it last year. Finally, with threat of contempt from Chairman Comer, uh, Director Ray allowed Congress to see this form and then ultimately the American people to see this form. And they told us this guy was so important. And now they tell us he's a liar. So, you know, we'll have to see. I just find it all interesting how it all played out. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Smirnoff, they go back and forth. Uh, Jim Jordan, by the way, uh, Anthony D'Esposito wants me to give him credit for putting this interview together, which, you know, he did. And Peter King sends his best. (laughs) (laughs) Two great guys. Two great guys. I have to serve with Mr. King, super member of Congress. And then Anthony's doing a great job there representing the good folks in Long Island uh, in the United States Congress. Yeah, he is a super guy. I agree with you. So you talked a lot there about David Weiss, too, and you're right. Here's a guy that was supposed to be investigating Hunter Biden. We know uh, he didn't do much of that at all. It's kind of silly. In fact, it's the complete opposite. He likes the Bidens. And for three years, he sat around and did nothing. Why aren't we talking more about David Weiss? Well, we we are, and we're looking into that because uh, David Weiss, you know, he put together this sweetheart deal. That was 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 just the, the judge said, there's no way we can accept this. And and that is when he actually decided to look into the 1023. I find it interesting. July of 23. What happened in that month? We had the two FBI whistleblowers come forward and tell us how bad the David Weiss investigation was run, how it was how it was different from any other investigation they've been a part of. And we had the plea deal fall apart. And that's when he decides, oh, maybe I better check out this confidential human source, this Smirnoff guy. So I find that timing interesting. But, yeah, this. Uh, you know, David Weiss's story has changed multiple times. The White House's story has changed multiple times. Joe Biden said, oh, I've never never spoken to my son about his uh, business deals. And then that's, that changed to, well, I was never in business with my son. And then that, of course, changed to, well, he was never financially involved in his son's business. They, they keep changing their story. But the whistleblower story has not changed. They've come forward and talked about how David Weiss ran this investigation. And um, 
that's something we're, we're, we're continuing to investigate as well. And, of course, investigation for folks that aren't completely up to date is influence peddling. And they used Joe Biden and uh, able to make a lot of money. You know, last week you guys deposed Uncle Jimmy. That was a nightmare for him. I mean, <laughs> I mean he was yeah. about as consistent as O.J. Simpson. And, uh, and now you got Hunter coming out there today. And here's the frustration with Hunter, at least what I expect will be, was Colmer and you, you guys will throw stuff at him that he just can't explain, and he's going to elect to take the fifth. I know you expect he may, that. Yeah, he may because, you know, there's still the special counsel investigation. Uh, interestingly enough, the same guy who put together the sweetheart deal that was lapped out of court, David Weiss, that's the guy Merrick Garland names as the special counsel. Go, go figure. So that's still ongoing. So he could do that. Um, I kind of think he probably won't take the fifth much, but, but maybe, maybe he will. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. We're going we're gonna to ask the questions that I think need to be asked. There's a pattern here, though. The way this typically worked was Hunter Biden would start trying to put together these, these business deals with, with foreigners, but the deals and the agreements didn't really get finalized until Joe Biden showed up, either with a phone call, stopped by a lunch, stopped by a dinner, set for a dinner. with the, I mean, there's, there's the, the one with the Chinese officials, this energy company. There's eight Chinese guys that Hunter Biden's been trying to work with to get this deal done. Him and, his, him and his partners, but the, the agreement doesn't get finalized until they're having a lunch and Joe Biden stops by. Eight Chinese guys, five uh, uh, Hunter Biden and four of his business partners all there. Joe Biden drops in, gives a quick little talk to everyone, and then three weeks later, shazam, here comes $3 million wired to Hunter Biden's account. So that's how this thing typically played out, and so we'll, we'll I think, explore those kind of questions uh, during the deposition today. By the way, I, I think that meeting you're talking about was right here in Brooklyn, Yes. Well, there was one meeting up there, but the, the one I'm talking to was shortly after that at the Four Seasons restaurant here in, oh, uh, here right. in D.C. That's right, in D.C., that's right. Okay, so you've got all this information now, right? And you've got, uh, starting with Miranda Devine, who wrote this story for New York Post years and years yes. ago. Then you've got Tony Bublinski. Then you've got Devin Archer. Then you've got uh, Smirnoff. Then you've got the other guy that's actually a big one for you is Kalanis. Now, he's in jail, and they're going to yeah. say, ha, 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 nice job, Republicans. We're going we're gonna to take that guy. Like, he's got credibility. He's in jail. But the truth is, whether he's in jail or not, all these people, Jim Jordan, all of them have the same recollection, and yet the Bidens, their story changes every day. The, the White House story changes. David Weiss's stories change. Uh, but uh, Tony Bobulinski has been consistent. And who are you going to believe? You know, we had Jim Biden last week. Jim Biden has multiple business ventures that failed. Jim Biden owes multiple individuals hundreds of thousands of dollars. Who are you going to believe, him or Tony Bobulinski, a successful business guy whose, whose testimony has not wavered, has not changed? So that, that to me, there's sort of some of the fundamentals. Who are you going to believe, David Weiss, whose story has changed multiple times? Uh, the White House, Karine Jean-Pierre, Joe Biden, all these. Who are you going to believe, them or the two whistleblowers who came forward? And, and, and they've, they've faced cross-examination from Democrats in a hearing. So to me, that that sort of speaks a lot about who's actually telling the truth here. Well, I know you guys are, and I want nothing more, Jim, than you and Comer and all you folks to uh, to come up big here. But I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I, I don't know about the House. I certainly know this is not going to fly in the Senate. And my fear is, even though you guys are doing a great job at the very least, at the very least making aware, Americans aware of what's going on, there's not going to be any real repercussions for Hunter Biden. Should I not feel that way? Well, Joe Biden, excuse me, Joe Biden. Well, I mean, all we can do is our duty. And as, as, as members of Congress in the legislative branch, we have a constitutional duty to do oversight of the executive branch. And we're doing that. We're doing that in a way that's consistent with the Constitution. We're trying to present the facts. 
Uh, we're in an impeachment inquiry phase of our oversight duty, so our job is to get the facts out there. I think it's a compelling case right now, but um, we'll have to see where, where, uh, where it all goes. But that's our job. And sometimes simply by putting the facts out there, you can, you can impact things. And I'll give you an example. If you, if you remember uh, about a year or so ago, the Department of Homeland Security tried to set up this disinformation governance board as yep. if some board of bureaucrats could tell you what you're allowed to say and what you're not allowed to say in America, but we have the First Amendment. And we made a big issue of that. And you did too, and, and all kinds of folks did. And guess what? The Department of Homeland Security gets rid of that disinformation governance board. So sometimes just by highlighting ridiculous things that are going on in the government, you can, you can change how the government and these agencies operate. Uh, I'd like to think we're, we're have been beginning to have some kind of impact on the FBI and the Justice Department, how they operate here in our country. We'll just have to see. But we have to do our duty, and then we'll, we'll go from there when we, when we get the investigation complete and we have all the facts on the table. What time does our proceeding start today? Starts at 10, so we've got about an hour. And about an hour. Okay, so one more point, because yeah. I know you got a busy morning, Jim. <laughs> and that yeah. goes uh, uh, back to you guys uh, talking about the DHS, requesting some information from them on this illegal, illegal, yeah. who ended up killing this beautiful nursing student in Georgia. Mm-hmm. i, I got to tell you this, Jim. So, so, yeah, tragic. So I'm watching one of these liberal networks the other day, and they go, you are so insensitive. There's a young girl dead, and all you care about is Mayorkas and immigration and illegals. By the way, Jim, that's the same party. They don't even wait 10 minutes after a school shooting yeah, to talk about right. the Second Amendment, but yet we're <laughs> evil people because we're questioning why that guy was here in the first place. Yeah, the American people are smart, and they, they figure all this out when the, when the left says the crazy things they do. So it's a tragic situation. But this this situation happened because we no longer have a border. Joe Biden has just given us an open border on track to get close to 12 million people coming across uh, that border in the four years that Joe Biden's president. Uh, I tell folks that's equivalent to the entire population of our great state, the state of Ohio. Hmm. We're the seventh largest state. So that's the magnitude of this problem. So Joe Biden let these folks in. Then they do something terrible and they're not prosecuted. In fact, they're they're let go. And then you have a real tragedy happen, like happened with with Lake and Lake and uh, Riley this uh, this this past week. So it's it's just a tragic situation. But it's because of the ridiculous policies of this administration and frankly these DAs who won't put bad guys. We won't keep them behind bars and let them let them roam our streets. Well, we've got it the worst here. RDA Alvin Bragg, our AG Letitia James, they spend their yep. days and nights in a city riddled with crime, Jim, worrying yep. about our friend Donald Trump. That's all they care about. No, it's it's crazy. And uh, again, I think the country sees through all this too. They see you know, just how ridiculous this this lawfare, this this uh, this weaponization of government against uh, your political foes, and, and, and particularly President Trump. What they've done – I mean, you think about how they've escalated. It started with they spied on his campaign in 2016. Then it was the, then it was the Mueller investigation, $30 million, 19 lawyers, 40 agents to come up with nothing because there was no collusion with Russia. Then it was impeachment. Then it was they raided his home. Then it's special counsel Jack Smith. Then it's the 14th Amendment. Then it's, <laughs> then it's the two – then it's Fonnie Willis and Alvin Bragg, and then it's Jack Smith with the two indictments. I mean, it just keeps going, but – the, the, the good news is President Trump keeps pressing through it, fighting for us, and uh, that's why I think he's winning so big in all these primaries and is going to be, uh, is going to be I think, our next president. Jim Jordan, you are really a treasure, an American hero. Good luck uh, on the Hill today with that creep Hunter Biden. You and Comer and the crew keep doing your thing. I'm proud of you, man. I really am. Thank you so much for hopping on today. It meant a lot to me. Thank you. You bet. Good to be with you. Take care. You too. There he is, Congressman out of the great state of Ohio. That's a real hero. I mean that. Jim Jordan, that wraps up our number three of our fine program. 
We're still going to talk to Judge Janine Pirro. What a Wednesday morning right here on your favorite talk show in the country, sitting friends in the morning. It's such a crude attitude. Is Sid and friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Peter King's final message to Mike Sapriconi. Hey Mike, to your own good and for the good of the party and to make sure and for the good of New York and for the good of the presidential race and the congressional races here in New York, it's time to take your candidacy elsewhere. Ball. Everybody's talking, no one says a word. Everybody's making love, no one really cares. There's Nazis in the bathroom, just below the stairs. Always something happening, and nothing going on. There's always something cooking, and nothing in the pot. They're starting back in China, so finish what you got. Of your Mike Sapricone. You know, um, Alex Treyman from JNS.org was so good earlier, so good talking about Israel. How Joe Biden is talking about how the Israelis should show some restraint because Ramadan is coming up. Well, Biden's such a moron, he doesn't know this. He doesn't know anything about the history of Israel. But Treyman explained to us that during this period of Ramadan, that's when they actually ratchet up the violence, that they're in their mosques asking these people to kill the Jews. So I thought Alex Treyman was great this morning. Then moments ago we had Jim Jordan on. That's the biggest guest of the day. He's about to depose Hunter Biden, talking about everybody from Smirnoff to Galanis to all the, all the characters, you know. And he even talked about this uh, young Georgia student being murdered and how now the GOP is asking the DHS for some documentation. But that uh, Peter King... Quote right there, that just shocked everyone. I expect that to be in every newspaper in New York in the next half hour. Because King is usually pretty loyal to the folks running out there in Nassau County. And he's been friends with Sapriconi for a while. A long while. And for him to say without any hesitation, after finding out that this guy donated to James, Letitia James, he should withdraw and go home, was shocking to say the least. So last night, Jesse Waters guy calls me at about, I don't know, 5.30 goes, you want to come on Jesse's show tonight? I go, why do you guys keep doing this? Can't you tell me the day before? I don't live in the city anymore. I can't go down to the studios. It's too late to get a van. I got My wife is coming home tonight. I just can't do it. Can't you give me one day in advance? Yes, next time, I promise. So I had to blow off Jesse, but something tells me that Waters wanted to talk about Eric Adams. And Adam's saying yesterday, I want to change the laws, the sanctuary city laws, so I can have ICE deport some of these illegal bastards. 
I'm sure that's what Jesse wanted me to talk about. And like I said earlier today, better late than never, but it is kind of late. With all that said, talking about Jesse Waters, here's the real star of Fox News on the five. And of course, there's a great show every Sunday morning here. The lovable judge, Janine Pirro. Good morning, Janine. How are you? I am fine. How are you? You had a great guest on. It was the guest of the day. No question. I love Jim Jordan. He, he was great. And, um, you know, listen, he broke it all down from the whole thing, from Devine to Bobolinsky to Devin Archer to Galanis to Smirnoff. And look, we it both... It's crazy. It, it is. absolutely crazy. You know, they say, okay, Galanis is in jail. Okay, his story is consistent. It makes perfect sense. It's like pieces to a puzzle. When all of a sudden they start to fit together and they show you the real picture, they're saying, no, 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 that piece is wrong. No, it fits. Just like this whole thing with the whistleblowers fit. And so then what they do is they indict Smirnoff. And they say, now you can't believe him. He's incredible. You know, it's, it's a game. It's a game to them. It's a game about power and money. And the sad part about it is that Jim Jordan, who is brilliant, I love him, I've known him for years, uh, you know, they don't have the power of the Department of Justice. And so I get the oversight and all that. But in the end, the American people are going to say to themselves, you know what, there is no consequence if you're part of the political elite. And that's the saddest part of it all. And hopefully we'll be in a position next year where there is a Department of Justice that makes people accountable for wrongdoing, not for their politics. Well, that's exactly what I said to him. I said the frustration here is that uh, it'll never fly in the Senate. And uh, the media has been making fun of Galanis because he's in prison for the better part of two weeks. And Smirnoff's a liar, so now he's no good. <laughs> I said, but, but, I, but I said this. I said, Jim, at the very least, to your point, Janine, at the very least, whether Americans want to hear it or not, the liberals don't want to hear it, that's fine. Whether they want to hear it or not, you're making people aware of what's going on. And that's a good step. And he said, Sid, damn right. That is my, yeah. that's what I should yeah. be doing, the constitutional right as a congressman. At the very least, I need to do at least that. Right. Right. I, I get it. I get it. No, absolutely. And the American people decide, you know, they know, hopefully, you know, I think that when we can thank Donald Trump for this. He pulled the veil back and he allowed us to see through the inner workings of the media and politics. You know, we were all believers. We, you know, yeah, some of us were skeptics, but we finally got to the point where we say, this is baloney, that's baloney, this makes sense, that doesn't. But we used to believe everything we heard on the news, remember? But now we're, we're more critical, we're more skeptical, more cynical. We do our own research. But anyway, love Jim Jordan. So, <laughs> I also, no, he is great. <laughs> and I also talked to Jim about this, um, this horrific murder of this beautiful nursing student because now the GOP is asking the DHS for all the data, all the information on this creep who was arrested, by the way, here in New York and uh, was still out there and ended up murdering this girl. And he said, you know, that's another thing they want to try to impeach by Orcus and the borders are a mess. Another thing the GOP working on very virtuous, but in all likelihood, again, Janine, going nowhere until Trump wins in 2024. Well, you know, it's interesting. I had a conversation last night with uh, a gentleman, John Fair, who had worked uh, for President Trump. And I recall, you know, my whole thing is about victims. As a DA, it was all about victims and speaking on behalf of the silent victims of crime. And I remember that during the Trump administration, they were trying to get information as to the number of crimes that were committed by illegals, the number of violent crimes. 
And some of the states, the way they categorize, they don't even ask if an individual has been arrested is legal or illegal. And judges don't even ask anymore when they when they determine the issue of bail. And that's when we had bail. Now there is no cash <laughs> bail. So nobody knows. So you can't even get the statistics. But it's so interesting that uh, we are seeing this kind of crime. And, and I got to tell you, Sid, I, I think that since that Video went viral in New York City where the Venezuelans were, were beating down the cops and kicking them. I think that uh, and there was no action and the, the the accused were released with no bail at all. You know, I think that a lot of the people who are here who are of the criminal bent just think, hey, they're not even going to keep us in jail. And so then we see problems at at, at other places and other facilities. But the amazing part of all of this thing with that beautiful young uh, student from the nursing student from Georgia is that these individuals come here and we have no idea who they are. We're not allowed to even ask if they're illegal when they go into the criminal courts. And you have one shooting and the left and the progressives, they immediately call for gun control. But you get a criminal illegal who kills someone. And, you know, we want border control. And they're like, oh, you can't you can't. Who is it? This Katie Porter congresswoman. She says you shouldn't shape shape overall policy because of one instance. So remember the angel moms and all of the victims who were killed by illegals in this country. And I'm not trashing all the all the migrants, but I'm saying until we take their uh, fingerprints and photographs. And I believe we should take their DNA, Sid. If we take their DNA, we've got a database of who these people are. They can't then deny that they are this person or that person. And I'll bet we'll be able to solve some crimes that have already been committed in this country. Take it a step. Yep. I agree with you. No, I agree 100 percent. I think that's a brilliant idea. And to take it a step further, the liberals also call us insensitive when they're the ones the bodies haven't even rigor mortis hasn't even set in. And they're yelling about, you know, the Second Amendment. But they said, uh, boy, for you guys to be talking about immigration and migrants when there's a young girl dead. I mean, come on. Let me tell you something I learned in law school in tort law. It's called causation. But for this person doing that thing, this problem would not have happened. But for, that's the test. But for Joe Biden allowing people in willy-nilly with no, with no screening of any kind, this young woman would not have been killed. And the same with Molly Tibbetts. And all the young women that we've heard about in the last couple of years, Elizabeth Medina in Texas, Kayla Hamilton uh, by an MS-13 gang member. I mean, we cannot allow this to happen when the first order of government is the protection of its citizens. And Joe Biden licking his ice cream. He's like Forrest Gump. I am so tired (laughs) of this man licking his ice cream cone, you know, and then talking about serious issues. The guy is a fool. He looks like a fool. And it's like we're rewarding him with ice cream like a child. It's time we get someone in there who's going to fight for Americans, who's going to recognize that under Section 212F of the immigration law, we have the right to, as a set policy, to not allow certain groups of people in. And there were a lot of rumors about the Venezuelans, you know, emptying the jails and all that. Well, we're seeing more and more in Chicago a couple of days ago. Four Venezuelans choked an individual and almost killed him and robbed him on a train. And then the migrant charged from Venezuela charged with uh, sexual assault of a child just a couple days ago in Virginia. And it goes on and on. It's got to stop. 
We've got to stop paying for illegals, paying for their for their education and their health care and telling Americans you're second fiddle. Well, what kind of government does that, Sid? This one, a banana republic government, not the one that's going to take over in uh, in next January of 2025, because Trump is going to get rid of these people in big numbers. They'll be deported overnight. And actually, yesterday was a great day for you and I, Janine, because we had two wins in Michigan. First of all, our guy once again humiliated Nikki Haley. He's now destroyed her in five oh. states, plus the Virgin yeah. Islands. And wait, wait, the biggest ass-kicking is still to come on Super Tuesday. But we got a win in the Democrat race as well. Because about 13% voted a non-committal because, this is unbelievable, Biden, who has stabbed Bibi and the Israelis in the back almost every day. But these morons in Michigan think he's too pro-Israel, these dumb bastards, and they wouldn't vote for him. So we got a big win for Trump, and we got 13% of Michigan saying to Biden, no, thank you. That's a big day for us. Yeah, it is a big day for us. But you know what? They they don't know what's coming. So you know what? Let it go. Let it go. But I just want to say something about Nikki Haley. You know, the, the former President Trump and, and hopefully future President Trump is really not speaking about her anymore. He's really not mentioning her. And I'm so proud that he's kind of taken that tack now. Uh, I don't know what she's doing. She's worse than Chris Christie now. I mean, she's she's like a scorned woman at this point. Well, I know what she's doing. She's hoping and praying that, you know, one of these indictments puts him in jail or he implodes or something bad happens. And uh, by default, she becomes a nominee. That's what she's doing. Yeah, well, that's what she's doing. And, you know, someone said this morning, I don't know, uh, they, they said, you know, she's got a future in the party. You know, we'll see whether or not that's the case. I mean, she's managed to tee off a lot of people. And I think that, you know, her going forward and her, she's more and more strident every day. And, you know, the only change that there's going to be is with Joe Biden. I don't believe he's going to be uh, on the ballot in November. Uh, and Donald Trump is going to be on the ballot. All you had to do was tune into Fannie Willis. That, that, I, I can't say it. That, that show. Uh, you know what? One of the problems with radio is you're more inclined to say things you're not willing to say on television. You know, it's like almost like if you have a beer with someone, yeah, you're yeah. like, yay, let's just say it. Well, I'm not doing that. But all I can tell you is this guy, the other lawyer, these guys, they look like they're lying. The guy's sweating bullets just like Wade did. Yep. You know, did you hear my lines? Did I tell you my lines? Uh, Wade got paid. Fanny got laid and the taxpayers got played. Oh my but, God, that's awesome. Like that one? Oh my God, is that great. One more time. Say that again one more time. Okay. Wade got paid, Fanny got laid, and the taxpayers got played. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just so disgusting. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, you are brilliant. We're going to start the show with that tomorrow. I swear to God. Yeah, I, I got to tell you. It's, it's all true. Great. It's not brilliant. <laughs> What's going on? I got to tell you, if this judge doesn't throw them off the case, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to eat my hat. I, I mean, the only I'll problem do. with that is, and uh, by the way, don't be surprised if water starts to show with that tonight, just so you know. But yeah. the only, <laughs> but uh, the only uh, problem with that is, is that. If she gets kicked off the case, great. Believe me, I want that too. She's a racist. She's a liar, oh, and I want to yeah, I want to humiliate her. But it's not as if the case goes away necessarily. You know that. Well, what it means, the question is: is the whole office is Fannie Willis's office tainted as a result of what happened from the top? 
Is that office capable of going forward with the case? Or will they bring in a new prosecutor who may look at it and say there's no way? Look, you got to admit that Fanny and, and her boyfriend there, they don't know what the heck they're talking about. No. This woman doesn't know the first rule of handling herself in a courtroom. And Wade has never tried a felony case, let alone a, uh, a, a, a RICO case, which is a complicated case. Honestly, I really think they should stick with the case. Those two are like fools in a courtroom. They don't understand, you know, submitting, you know, evidence and marking pieces of paper as evidence. All they know is to yell and scream and, you know, drink water. Again, you know, wave, drink at the water. I just can't figure out. (laughs) (laughs) What is that all about? You know, I did hear a judge yesterday talking about judges. Um, Maybe he's not a judge. He's just an analyst. I'm sorry. But he was on with Larry Kudlow. And he was talking about what the Supreme Court may do, going back to our friend Trump, after this excessive, not Georgia, but New York, this ridiculous 360 plus million dollar fine, which uh, everybody I talked to, including Takapina just yesterday, seems to think will be reduced drastically, maybe down to 100 million. But uh, this Victor Davis Hanson said with Kudlow, he said, you know, the Supreme Court could say that this excessive fine violates the Eighth Amendment. And then at that point, do you agree with that? Yeah, when it gets to the Supreme Court, you got to understand, this is in the state court system. We're talking about Alvin Bragg's case. State court has got to go to the appellate division. Right. Then it's got to go to the Court of Appeals. Right. and then well, they, they've, well, they've already uh, put the notice uh, to the Court of Appeals already. Monday they did that, right? Oh, to the appellate division, yes. Yes, yes. they did. They did. He had to put up $465 million or a bond for that month. Well, not yet. He's got, I, he's got 20 more days to do that. 20 more days. All right. How sick is that? you got to put up that. Can you imagine if they found a, you know, if a case you end up being found liable uh, for, say, $100,000 and your house is 50000 I mean, you've got to put your house up in order to appeal. This is crazy. It's crazy town. But I really believe that that the president has a an absolute good shot at getting this reversed in the appellate division unless they wimp out. We'll see. We'll see. It's I, just wrong. Everybody yep. knows it's wrong. And uh, look, he's uh, on the way out here. He's he's really doing great. <laughs> you know, I, I thought all along and I've been saying it on this show for the better part of nine months to the annoyance of some of my guests and some of my listeners that I never thought, never, that DeSantis or Haley or certainly fat, stupid Chris Christie would ever provide any real challenge to my guy. And it turns out I was 100 percent right. But even I cannot have predicted how easy this would go. I mean, we were all worried that he couldn't go to court and, and, and have a primary race at the same time. There is no primary race. It's been over for Can months. Can I tell you something? I saw him Saturday night after South Carolina. I saw the picture of you two at the restaurant. Yeah. Very nice. Oh, we were, at, we were at Mar-a-Lago. And, I mean, the guy is, we were there till like 1230, right? And, and there were several people there. And at the end, he walks everybody out to make sure everybody gets to their car you know, when he says to, I don't know, he says, you know, uh, I've got I've got a tee off at 8 o'clock and I've got to watch some tape before I go to bed. And you're like, how is this guy doing this? I, I mean, he's entertaining us, yeah. making sure we get in our cars. Yeah, and he just came in from South Carolina. It was like the man is, he he is. the force of nature. He, he is. is. That's what he is. I know. But I mean, no. the, 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 similar to your story just last week, he was playing golf with Andrew Giuliani. And uh, Andrew Kozman goes, hold on. Someone wants to say hello. This is the day he got nailed on that pine. And President Trump goes, number one, Sid, how you doing? I go, more importantly, Mr. President, how are you doing? He said, I'm fine. He's great. He is is amazing. 
And that's why we need someone who doesn't, you know, dither and stumble and mumble. I, I am so embarrassed with this man as our president licking his ice cream cone <laughs> in the middle of talking about, the, you know, major uh, foreign policy yeah. issues. Israel, yeah. Uh, it is it is very offensive to me. And, you know, I, I don't know if you heard this, but yesterday I said I, I want to announce my support for I Kamala saw. Harris. I heard it. I think it's so unfair. <laughs> I agree. It really is. This woman deserves her day in this, in this sun. She climbed that ladder. That ladder. She worked very hard yeah. climbing that ladder. You know, yeah. it's her turn. So. <laughs> Yeah. Listen, you are, you're a genius and uh, I do hear and see all of it because I watch you every day and I'm on your Instagram 10 times a day. And, yeah, uh, and I'm losing my assistant, Taylor. She's such a sweetheart. She's all into that Instagram stuff. I'm like an idiot with it. Wait, are, are you, wait, wait, are you talking about Taylor Waiters? No, no, Taylor, Walters? Taylor Cruz. She's oh. my assistant, right? So she's, she's moving on and she's got a great job and I'm so happy for her. But I'm like, oh, who's going to do my Instagram now? I don't know what I'm doing, uh, you know? Yeah, you got to anyway. do it because your Instagram is really good. So you got to keep that up, yeah. Janine. And you're great, whether it's TV, radio. I love you. You're yeah, great here. You. Thank you so much. Love you, too. All right. Take care. You, too. Judge Janine Pirro, another amazing appearance. What a score to get Judge Janine every Wednesday right here on Sitting Friends in the Morning. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. Everybody's running. I know I'm making some moves. Everybody's a winner. Having to say hello, about to do his great podcast. You got the Trump shoe guy coming in today. I, I love the gold shoes. I love the red shoes. They're like $10,000 for a pair of shoes, but I'll take them. Giuliani's great. He is great. And he was shocked to hear what Peter King said this morning as well. I think everybody was. What a, what a heck of a show today, guys, huh? I mean, really. From Alex Trayman talking about Israel to Curtis Sliwa, talking about Eric Adams and New York City to which Lowry... Talking about Biden, Trump, all that stuff, to Peter King dropping the Saproconi bomb to Jim Jordan, who's going to be right there front and center, deposing Hunter Biden in D.C. today to Judge Janine, just lowering the boom on everyone. What a heck of a show. And uh, tomorrow's going to be a great show, too, because we've got uh, like six great guests again. And Friday, too, every day, this show, you know one thing. You don't have to worry. Every day this show is going to be great. Every day. I'm going to talk to uh, Johnny Tobacco 
give him a shot to pump up Kara Kastronova now that it looks like the Nassau County GOP wants nothing to do with Sapraconi. So that leaves Eisen. I don't know Eisen. I hear uh, good and bad things about him. People tell me that he's smart and he's a good candidate. Then I hear he's a complete psycho. I don't know. I have no idea. But that's what I hear. No, they've said that about you sometimes. So. <laughs> I know, but, but as a radio guy, that works. Yeah. yeah. That's entertaining. When you're right. running for office, not so much. I'm not sure it's so good, you know. But I don't know. Maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know the guy. That's what I hear. What do I know? That's I know Kara. I like her a lot, right. so. We could just make sure he's actually Republican. That would be great. <laughs> yeah. Let's start right there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's. Um, and we can understand. Let me. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. All right, folks. About 12 more minutes. Brian Kilmeade comes your way. Big day tomorrow. Izzy Weiss, Curtis Sliwa, Bill O'Reilly, huge, as always. Well, I don't know. There's other people coming on tomorrow, too. Don't worry about it. God, stop asking me. Jeez. So annoying. I just told you like two minutes ago. I too. forgot already. Yeah. That tends to happen, no? I'm um, right behind Joe Biden and Wendy Williams. Right behind oh, him. God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Johnny Tobacco, he's friends with Cara Castronova, and uh, she looking better and better in her race now that Peter King came on this morning and actually asked Mike Sapriconi to step down, give it up, get out. Donated to Letitia James, and that was the killer. I know Cuomo and even Kaminsky, but James, that was the killer. And uh, that's got to make uh, Johnny happy. Johnny Tobacco, good morning, pal. How are you? Hey, good morning, Sid. Greetings from Staten Island. I just want to start off by saying, once again, you demonstrate your universal excellency uh, by backing the candidate, Kara Castronova. And it <laughs> looks like, um, you know, I love Peter King. I love Nassau County, probably the greatest organization in the country, Joe Cairo. We need 10 Joe Cairos. But when I heard that this morning, I started looking at the numbers from the convention, and I see that Kara came in second. I was there. I witnessed it with my own two eyes. And, uh, you know, maybe the uh, sage Peter King can have that conversation with Mike Sapricone. And other than that, there was a competition. There were three people in it. Kara came in second. If first place gets disqualified, to me, she's the champion once again, and she's ready to fight against Kirsten Gillibrand. And potentially, if there's a, uh, a primary with Josh Eisen, she's ready for that, too. At the convention, she said, uh, gentlemen, step aside, let a woman handle this, and we're one step closer, Sid. Yeah, it sounded to me like Peter was all for that today. He was on the show last week saying nice things about Kara before he dropped this absolute bomb today. Just no one expected this, nobody, uh, to, when he asked Saproconi to, uh, to beg out. I mean, you, you were telling me last week that, you know, Long Island has two opportunities for Kara. One is this Senate race against, uh, Gillenbrand. And then, of course, come November, that Santos seat is up again. Tom Swazi being sworn in today. But that's a very, very short-lived run for Swazi. So there's really two opportunities for Kara in Nassau County coming up. Well, really, the other one's a Senate seat. I shouldn't say that. But two opportunities coming up the next couple of months. No, Sid, there's no two opportunities. There's one opportunity, Kara Kashanova. She's got the blinders on. She's got the fighter's spirit. She's focused on taking on Kirsten Gillibrand. She was whacking away at Mike Sapricone and Josh Eisen, ready to beat them in the primary. But right now, Sid, she came in second at the convention. She's the winner. The state has spoken, and they can't overpass her for a guy who came in third, 
or some person. I, know, I don't think they will. I, I don't think they will. If you're worried about that, or Kara is, I wouldn't worry about that. I mean, and look, you know, on this show especially, and a lot of you guys did the hard work. I've gotten so many messages from so many people the last couple of days. Jennifer Harrison has been out in the front on this and others that talked about all these contributions from Andrew to Kaminsky and the most uh, the most egregious of all, Letitia James. So a lot of folks, a lot of folks knew about this. I think Ed Cox may have known about this. I have no idea, but it wouldn't surprise me. And something tells me, something tells me that my friend Donald Trump found out about this, too, and was not happy about it. Again, I, I don't know that for a fact, but that's my gut. So I think this thing went all the way to the top, and that's why it's going to be very, very difficult for Sapriconi not to step down because he's going to end up getting hammered, I think, all over the place. Well, look, they keep talking about vetting candidates. I heard King saying that this is on the state committee. God bless them. May they get better at it. But the best thing I've heard and I listen to your show every day with a fine-tooth comb, Sid. Uh, Peter King last week said, Sid, you cannot get me to say a single bad thing about Kara. I love her. She's committed to the party. She's a fighter and a great boxer. So Peter King himself has vetted her. I hope he goes to the party and says, hey, let's give this girl a chance. And you know she's a fighter. She's going to have a puncher's chance against a woman. I agree. Well, I wish you the best of luck, too, Johnny. And, uh, you know, I appreciate uh, your loyalty and your support listening every day, texting me quite a bit throughout most shows because you know what the hell you're talking about in most cases more than I do, to be honest. So thank you for uh, calling in today and the best of uh, luck to Kara moving forward. She's got my endorsement. You know that. Sid, thank you for that. And you know what? Staten Island came out for Kara, one county. Uh, and they showed the state the candidate that's going to win the race. And thanks for your back. It's it. Love you, brother. Love you, too. Johnny Tobacco and uh, Cara Castronova. Looks like uh, this one could be right there for her. If Sapriconi takes Peter King's advice and others will uh, will give him the same advice, I promise you that, over the next couple of days, then Cara Castronova might very well be in the driver's seat taking on Gillibrand, who's just awful. Toxic and awful and woke and liberal and an absolute disgrace. All of those things. Kasha Kashanova. Kara Kashanova, I should say. She's got my endorsement. Take a short break, come back and wrap things up. Wednesday edition. Sid and friends in the morning. Sit in friends in the morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends, 77 WABC. 
What would you do Oh, Joe Cocker. Lewis, once again, an amazing job today. By the way, that scumbag Hunter Biden arriving moments ago on Capitol Hill for his deposition, which we covered today with Jim Jordan. We had a great show today. I mean, really great. Oh, come on. Alex Trayman, Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry, Jim Jordan, Judge Janine, and, of course, the Whopper from Peter King. We are done for today. Lou Rafino, amazing as always. Justin Alec, man, I'm so proud of you. Noam Layton, terrific work. Big show coming up tomorrow. Big, big, big. Nancy Mace, Bill O'Reilly, Curtis Sliwa, just to name a few. All right, folks, enjoy your hump day Wednesday afternoon in New York City. As my friend Gene would say, God willing, we'll all be back for a 6 a.m. Thursday show. Till then, from all of us to all of you. Hey! All right, all right, all right.